This podcast is brought to you by High Dive. High Dive is the only anime streaming service that offers an auto-syncing live chat feature. Auto-syncing video means you can be sure that everyone is on the same page. Chat with your friends or make new ones as you watch your favorite past and present anime together. Try it now with a seven-day free trial over at highdive.com. And if you use the promo code AAA Podcast, you'll also get 50% off your first months of service, and Hivedive will know that we sent you. This podcast is also brought to you by JList.com. Right now, JList.com has an early bird 2019 calendar sale. If you buy three or more calendars, you get 25% off your entire order over at JList. They have tons of anime calendars, including Dragon Ball Super, Detective Conan, Haikyuu, My Hero Academia, Gintama, Tokyo Ghoul, tons of Studio Ghibli, and so much more. So check them out over at JList.com. And now, it's time to start the podcast. Dude, I wonder, like, are are the insides of Pokeballs just, like, super chill, like, areas? Like, do they have lounges and stuff? Like, what is it? I want to know. I want to know, too. I have an image. What's in there? It's like, a, it's like a capsule hotel, and it's just chilling. You're just chilling there, you know? Dude, you know what would be awesome is if, like, they're all connected, too, through, like, a network. So it is, like, a capsule hotel, so they all have their own little capsules to sleep in. But then they just walk around in, like, the the area where everybody's chilling out watching TV and stuff. <laughs> oh, you mean, like, just, okay, okay, you're saying, like, say you're in Pokeball A, Manny's in Pokeball yeah. B, and I'm in Pokeball C, but we share the same owner, so the same network, so we have a living room. Yes. We have a living room where we can all chill together. Yes. Wow, that yes. sounds <laughs> awesome. You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction words at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Everybody and welcome to the 440th episode of the Animatics Anonymous Podcast. Wherever you're listening from, whatever you're doing, if you're commuting, cooking dinner at the gym, at the strip club, at the strip club, with your earbuds in. That's right. Well, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. I am your host, Mitsugi, and I am joined by the wonderful crew. We have to my right, we have the beautiful Kazuo. Oh, why, hello. Looking much, much thinner. Dude, I, yes, ridiculous. I have. Lo- How much weight have you lost in the last month? About a thousand pounds. Dude, it's incredible. Are you a bull elephant? <laughs> I'm a sperm whale. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, we have the handsome Mandy hailing from Cincinnati. <laughs> the, the handsome. You see what I did there? I flipped him over. Oh, I see what you did. How are you, Mandy? That's it's fine. wonderful to have you with us. I'm doing okay. How's everyone else? I'm doing pretty damn good today, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty super good. excited for today's episode. Yeah, me. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. And we're glad to have all of you with us as well. If you want to check out our website, you can do it over at aaapodcast.com. If you go to aaapodcast.com forward slash join, you can get all of our extra content and help this podcast continue to run the way that it's been running for so many years now. We do our hentai episodes, so you can hear us talk about boobs and butts and 
anime boy butts if you're Mandy and lots of other great things. And we just did a hobby addicts on YouTube and our, the way that we use YouTube, what the future of YouTube would be, etc. And on the after party today, I'm going to be talking about a little small adventure I had last night at a karaoke club. Ooh, so, ooh yeah. that sounds fun. Yeah. So head over to aaapodcast.com forward slash join to get all that. We're also on Facebook. We have the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash AAA podcast. There's about 2,400 people on there just like you that would love to talk with you and share their experiences in the world of anime. And of course, our Discord channel is the hottest place still for us. We have over 700 people on our Discord, and there's just people interacting, chatting, book clubs. We got manga club. We got watch parties. We got everything over there. So head over to the Discord, which you can also get from the website aaapodcast.com right along the top. On this episode today, it's a pretty anticipated episode. We uh, we have chosen a fairly inf inflammatory topic that I think was inspired largely by Kazuo's well dismissal of Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> is that what is that what this was inspired <laughs> by? Well, I mean, there was uh, we did almost get into an argument about it when you first mentioned it. I mean, look, and I'll tell you, podcasts are great when people are not agreeing. It's not my fault that you're wrong. You see, I can't that's control the shit that. I'm talking about right I there. I can't help you. I can't help build your your class and your culture. Like that's not on me. That's on you. So you're so dismissive. Yeah, you're, you're so <laughs> yeah. you're so. What is the word? In, a word? in a word, just beautiful. Kazu, just Kazuo. Oh. <laughs> and then we're gonna also going to be doing a very anticipated review on Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the remake. We didn't even the... tell them what the topic was. Oh, you're right. <laughs> we're going to be ranking the great directors. So we each put in our, our list of, of what we thought were the top directors. I aggregated them. We're going to be going down the list. We're probably not going to agree because the lists were very different. Yes. So we're going to be doing that. We're also going to be doing a review on Legend of the Galactic Heroes from this last year, the remake. Yeah, what's the subtitle for that? Die Neue Diese. What the hell does that even mean? Well, I took German, and Die Neue, I think, is the new. I don't know what Diese is. The new these. The new thesis. The new thesis? Could be. All right. I think so. Sure. I, mean, I don't know enough German to translate that. <laughs> so that's probably Google it, but that, the keyboard's all the way over there, and... That's just a lot of energy to have to try to Google that. And of course, that's based. That is based. That is a remake of the anime classic, which came out decades ago. And there's also lots of books that that are behind it as source material. So, mm -hmm. but we're, we're going to talk about more. Well, more about that later. Um, we believe that Enzo will be joining us shortly. So we're going to have a a a, 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 a an Enzi will appear, mm. and we will do battle. An what en an Enzi Penzi appearance. What element would Enzo be weak to if he were a Pokemon? Uh, ramen. No. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> that heals him. Uh, what element would he be weak to? Well, let's see. So, which element would he be? Like, mm. if you were, if you were an avatar and you were an, a bender of some sort, so you had earth, water, fire, ramen broth, and air. Which element would you be? He'd be fairy. Fairy's not none fairy. of those four <laughs> elements. I'm gonna. Yeah, well, no, but it's a new Pokemon element, though. Oh. I'm gonna say fire because I could see I could see Enzo in like a kitchen. He's a firebender. I could see him in a kitchen, like like cooking like Chinese food yeah. on a walk or something. And I, you know what? And I don't know how well he can swim, so he might be weak to water. Interesting. He doesn't seem like a strong swimmer. I don't know though. Well, he I have nothing to back York. this up. He lives in New York City. There's not a lot of water. Yeah, and he's lived there his entire life. So There's like, like no water. Yeah, that's true. There's no water. There isn't. Hmm. I, I mean, it, New York is a sprawling cityscape. 
there aren't like there's not like lakes deposited well, randomly. Okay, well that's you know fair. what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, why don't we kick this mess off? Let's do it. It's time for big news of the week. You know what, Cotton? <laughs> uh, what's, the other, what's the other guy's name? Uh, I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned bending because Netflix has announced that they are going to be making a live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series. It's almost as if I knew that was coming up. I think you did. Hmm. Don't try to fool the audience. <laughs> so. Oh, God. So a new live-action Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, it's... I mean, we'll talk about how we feel about this, but so the original Last Airbender was on Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. and then inspired Legend of Korra, which came out after that in yep. 2012 to 2014. And then there was the horrific oh God. M. Night Shyamalan, the Last uh. Airbender live-action movie, <laughs> which Roger Ebert said was, quote-unquote, like the worst movie he'd ever seen in every category, and also in, in every category that had not yet been invented. He also, he, he also said that M. Night Shyamalan is basically the live action makoto shinkai if i remember correctly Holy i think heaven. he said that as well i'm just kidding. <laughs> i'm kidding so this new series is being done by brian konitsko and michael DiMartino, who were who were the creators of the original last airbender series on nickelodeon oh sweet okay which should make you feel better yes i, so I feel much better they said that it's going to have a culturally appropriate cast unlike the movie the production is going to begin next year with partnership from Nickelodeon, and the two creators said, quote, We can't wait to realize Ong's world as cinematically as we always imagined it to be, His and, and with the culturally appropriate non-whitewashed cast, it's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to build upon everyone's great work on the original animated series and go even deeper into the characters, story, action, and world-building. Netflix is wholly dedicated to manifesting our vision for this retelling, and we're incredibly grateful to the partnership with them. Okay. His name is Aang. All right. Whatever. I don't. Whatever. M. Night Shyamalan called him Ong. Well, but he was always Aang in the entire series. Well, his name is spelled A A N G. It doesn't matter. Which it's is Aang. Ong. It's Aang. Not in English. Well, in the source material. Okay. I'm sorry. You can tell one of us cares about Airbender and one does not. Yes. I care. <laughs> I care very deeply. So I watched the first Airbender and I was like, okay. I loved it. It was so awesome. Okay. Awesome. And Korra was so cool. Oh, the first episode of Legend of Korra when she's a little kid, and then, okay, so never mind, you don't care. All right, yeah. so Mandy, Mandy, how do you feel about all this? We've clearly stated our reviews. I don't know anything about Avatar. Oh, I'm guys. so sorry. You're all dead to me. Where's Enzo? Is Enzo? Is yeah, Enzo? I've never seen Avatar. I don't know. I don't know if he's seen it, but I'm hoping. So, all right. Well, then I'll ask you, Kazuo. What yes. is your hope for this move for this series? Um, well, it is very good to hear that the original creators are going to be behind it, um, and that they're looking to just stick with kind of the source material. And, you know, they mentioned making it culturally um, similar to what the original was. So, like, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I, I just hope I'm, I'm a little concerned because I don't know what they could tell. The story is kind of done unless they're just going to do like a retelling except in live action. And then the question becomes, do we even need that? Like, we've already got the original. Um so I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do, if they do a retelling or if they do some kind of continuation. Um, I think I, it's going to be the exact same thing. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm more positive now than I was, um, you know, when you first mentioned this. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, does the fact that it's associated with Nickelodeon mean that it's going to be mostly a kid's show? 
I mean, it is mostly a kid's show. Over, like, I mean, it definitely has some adult themes, but it is. But being adapted, it could become anything, anything we want, anything yeah. the creators want it to be. I think they would still keep it. Like, they're not going to go like a dark, gritty reboot or anything like that. I, th- I think they're going to keep it similar <laughs> to. <laughs> Parents would be so upset. That would be hilarious. <laughs> they have like a rated R avatar in the last yeah. airbender. <laughs> People's just heads getting chopped off and stuff. Okay. Well, Netflix has done really great things with kids before, like Stranger Things. Yeah. But I think that's probably a pretty high bar to aim for. Yeah. But um, how do you think the CG is going to look with all the airbending and stuff? I mean, with Netflix, I mean, they have an unlimited amount of money practically. Well, so they spent a shitload of money on the live action movie and it looked horrible. On... um. Was Wait, that Netflix that did that? Which live action? No, I mean I was just saying that money doesn't necessarily oh. mean it's gonna look good. Oh, okay. okay I'm like, what what live action movie? Oh, okay, no, no, no. Yeah, the, the original Airbender um, movie. Yeah, I don't recall the CG looking terrible in that movie. It, it probably did, but I don't recall. The biggest issue I, I had. I did see that. I knew nothing about Avatar, so I didn't care for it at all. But yeah, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. It'll I do be remember fine. the CG being really good, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure the CG was fine, and like nowadays. You know, a kid in his basement can make good-looking CG, so I'm sure that'll be okay. What? Yeah, man. Uh, no. What are you talking about? CG is expensive. It's the it's, exp- it's the bulk of the cost it's, of all these it's movies. It's expensive that come out because lately. you pay people uh, very high salaries in order to do it. But they have tons of people doing it. But there's like all kinds of After Effects and stuff like that. Fine, that you can a kid do. in his basement can do it. Just like Shinkai, you know, made made, made an anime OVA by himself. Yeah, but he's on the him- he's on the same level as a kid in his basement. Yeah. Damn. I, <laughs> okay. I, well, my, my point is that like is that like yeah, I could probably make a video game uh-huh. if you gave me ten years. No, I mean like you. You can use RPG Maker. There you go. I mean, I mean like like <laughs> like com- computer generated imagery is, is, are things that like literally any of us can do with like a, a basic Adobe Suite. But it would take forever. No, not necessarily. I mean, like to do it on that level, yes. But like, then, I'm, then why do Hollywood studios? Don't why they just hire a kid in their basement? <laughs> because they're doing it on a completely different level. I'm but saying this is like the same level as a Hollywood movie. Yeah, it's gonna be you know probably We're getting lost in the weeds here. Basically, I'm saying that computer-generated imagery is much easier now than it has ever been, and so they have there's no reason to believe that they won't be able to do a good job with it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. but they're still gonna use a shitload of people to do oh, it. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm guessing you're excited about this. Yes. I don't give a shit. I figured. I won't watch it. Yeah. I don't care. I don't think Mandy cares either. No, I just don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> I gave the original show a shot, and my thought was, this looks terrible. It yeah. Looked, it looked really I, bad. I think it also depends on like how, how old you are when you first see it. It had nothing to do with the, with the content itself. It was more like, you know, I, I had seen anime from like the 70s that looked better than Airbender did. Hmm. I yeah. mean, yeah. Future Boy Conan stomps the life out of Flash Airbender, and that's from 1978. Sure. I mean, so I just couldn't, I mean, I mean, I don't know, I didn't really... I, could, I had a tr- I had trouble buying in. I remember I recalled Chiaki had trouble buying in. Oh, really? It was oh. Kimiko that was trying to get everyone to, to love it. Yeah, I, it just depends on the person, I guess. I guess yeah. so, yeah. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing. If Possibly. You, did you watch it when it first came out? Oh, yeah. All right, so you loved it. Kimiko watched it when it first came out. She loved it. Chiaki and I watched it after the fact, and we're like, eh. Yeah, that probably so, has a lot to do with it. So does that mean that the people that are primarily going to enjoy this are just the people that are functioning off nostalgia? I w- yeah, I would absolutely think mm-hmm. that. I mean, the majority of people that are going to watch this are people that were just fans of the original, for sure. I mean, you may get, you, you, I'm sure you'll get some people that haven't seen the original that are going to, you know, check this out, but the vast majority are going to be just those of us that watched it when we were kids. It'll probably be a success. I know there's a ton of people that watch it on TV 
And most of those people now are your age, mm-hmm. and they have money, and they have Netflix accounts, yeah. and they're going to want to watch Last Airbender. So Netflix is Netflix is shrewd. They, they know what they're doing. You yeah, know, they're not going to dump ten million bucks into something if, uh, and I don't know if it costs ten million, but probably more, maybe more than ten million bucks. I don't know, but they're not going to dump that money unless they think it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. So, well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. All right. Well, yeah. Any other um, like thoughts on that? Do you have any other? No. Do you have, do you, are you like worried about anything? Uh, no, because I personally like for me even if it sucks if it's terrible i still have the original like i'm not one of those people that's like you ruined my childhood it's like no you didn't you made a crappy movie that I'd, i'm just not gonna watch again and i still have the original that i can go back and enjoy so that doesn't really bother me okay well i think we're done then right yes all right because mandy and i don't have much to add <laughs> it's time for a hot new anime releases all right, we got a bunch of stuff here. Tokyo Ghoul is getting a second live-action film in 2019. There was a first one? <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh. I saw it in theaters with my sister. Oh, oh wow. see? Mm-hmm. What now, Kazuo? You hate uh, her? I mean, uh, hey. Stick your hater bottles down. I'm not going to hate on Mandy and her sister, even though they have terrible taste. I'm how, <laughs> how did you guys like the original movie, Mandy, with your sister? How did you guys like it? Uh, I know my sister loved the main actor. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was a thing. It was a thing? <laughs> it was a thing. You're a good person, Mandy, for going with your sister. <laughs> it was a yeah, thing. I mean, we had fun. We got super drunk before it, but it was fun. <laughs> um, so, Kaneki is going to have the same actor, um, Masataka she'll be excited. Kubota. Yeah, so she'll love that. The girl, um, the girl who plays Kirishima is different. Oh. Which is odd. <laughs> Normally they would. It hasn't been that long. Normally they would try to keep cohesion in the cast, don't you think? Yeah, maybe it just didn't work out contractually or something. So Maika Yamamoto is replacing Fumika Shimizu as Toka Kirishima, and Shota Matsudo Matsuda is joining the cast as Shu Tsukiyama, who was in the manga but was not in the prior film. So, yeah. So the first film, the first film premiered last. Um, two year, last year on July 3rd, 2017 at, at, at Anime Expo, it got a worldwide release um, on the set, on, the tw- on July 29th, 2017. It ranked fifth in the open, its opening weekend in Japan. Funimation screened the film in theaters in, in the United States last October, which I'm guessing is how you saw it, Mandy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, they had a showing over here at a uh, theater over here for like two days. I don't necessarily like personally care about Tokyo Ghoul. You know, when I was dating that girl who came over here and visited me for a while, I watched a l- pretty good chunk of the new Tokyo Ghoul with her, mm-hmm. and I was like, I didn't really, I, I didn't really get it. You know, I watched the first Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, I watched it. I, I didn't like it really. I didn't watch the second one, but this, and I think this new one was the third one, and she was like, "Holy shit!" But she sucked into it. Like she loved that, and I'm like, I just don't get it. I think really? it's, another, it's another one of those things that, like, if you haven't seen a lot of shows like it, it's going to grab you. But if you've been an anime fan for a long time and have watched a lot of shows that are similar to this, it's like, oh, okay, I'm another thing I've seen before. So it's, you know, nothing new. I just think the thing is that, like, the I thought this was important because I know a lot of people care. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of people like Tokyo oh, Ghoul. Yeah, it's massive. So it's exciting for those people that there's a new one coming out. Yeah, definitely. So I think that and it's probably going to get another Funimation release, too. So you'll be able, you, so Mandy. Do you think you and your sister will go watch this one too? Um, if she's here, maybe. I know she'll want to go see it. 
<laughs> you guys gonna get I know me? she tried to get me to watch the new newest season, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And she's like, man, I wish I could talk to you about this. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I was so lost. It was really um over my head. Uh, moving on. Also, Macross Frontier is Ooh. or Macross Delta, sorry, oh. is getting a new is getting a new film. <laughs> I was like, ooh, oh, never mind. <laughs> the, the, the the new film has been greenlit. It's uh, it was announced at the Valkyrie Senjo no Premium Live event at Toyosu Pit in Tokyo. Uh, it's going to be an entirely new movie that is. They had a, they had a Macross Delta movie before, but it was just a retelling of the series, mm-hmm. which I think is such a waste. Yeah, I mean, they all do it. I, I, I guess they must make money off yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, it's it's the definition of a cash grab. Yeah, because I mean, all they really do is cut together a bunch of footage that they already have, and just sell that. <laughs> so, but um, this is going to be an entirely new movie. So, for those of you that are big fans of Macross Delta, there's a whole new thing coming out, and you're going to get to enjoy it. You know, as an entirely new entry into the series. Meh. The biggest, maybe the biggest <laughs> news is that ReZero, which. Cosmo's like, do uh, I just hate? Do I hate everything? Is that what this yeah, is? Pretty much is that do. the problem? <laughs> ReZero, which I actually thought was pretty good, it was good. It was all right. Is getting so its first OVA episode in the franchise, which was um, from with ReZero starting a life in another world, a Snow Memory, is going to open in Japanese theaters on October sixth. I think we already knew that, but now, but now there's been a second OVA that's been greenlit already, and it's titled. Hyoketsu no uh, Kizuna, or Frozen Bonds. And it's going to adapt the prequel story, Hyoketsu no Kizuna, which was included in the first Blu-ray and DVD volumes of the TV series. It's about the meeting between Amelia and Pac. So they're going to have another OVA. So I think... Gosh, I still need to watch the ReZero. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't announced a sequel yet. Like, I, like a, like because I don't recall them finishing the story. Yeah, I will say it was not terrible. No, I mean it started off kind of slow. Yeah, but it, I think it finished strong. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so but I'm just shocked they haven't made another season of that yet because it's hugely popular. It was so popular. And yeah, it was definitely not done. So they must be waiting for the manga or something because I must mean, be. Otherwise, it's a no-brainer. Like it, the thing prints money. It's like not making another Steins Gate. You have to. Uh, do you? Yeah, because it makes a shitload of money. <laughs> All right, I guess. No, Cosmo. I'm just, you know, when you said Macross Frontier, I got excited. <laughs> so there's that. But then you said Delta, and I was like, no, nah, never mind. So yeah. I don't hate everything. You like Macross Frontier? <laughs> yes. That's it. <laughs> Dude, you're more of a you're more of a curmudgeon than me. Let it be. Just, let it be known. I just have very. Oh, what? What was that word? A curmudgeon. <laughs> a curmudgeon. I like that word. I just have very particular tastes. You are a crotchety. I'm, I'm, I ex- old fart. I just I demand excellence from Damn, my art. From everything. Yes. Except right. myself. Curmudgeon. I've never <laughs> used that word before. Really? Have you heard the word before? No, not until See? now. <laughs> See, Manny, that's only that's a word that only a curmudgeon like me knows. Yeah. That's and great. That's, that's I the kind use of, that now. <laughs> that's the kind of education you can expect from the Anime Addicts Anonymous. That's right. Curmudgeon. On that note, who wants, to, who, who wants to handle the trivia? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll grab that. Um, so, of course, we have our weekly trivia on the website. If you go to aaapodcast.com and scroll down, you'll see it there. The answer for this week was only yesterday. Only yesterday. And a bunch of people got it right. That's right. So that's kind of awesome. A lot of people. I'm kind of shocked because it's one of the lesser seen Takahata movies. Yeah. Um, the winner, though, for the week was Frosty Moon. That's right. 
And uh, I suppose we're still going to continue with the Studio Ghibli anime theme. Is that correct? We are. All right. We got two more weeks of this. Now, if you don't want to wait until we post the next trivia on the website, we do have an in-show weekly trivia question that we will answer after our news break. And uh, it's another one of those name that anime. It says, it turns out that Ayaka is a fire witch. And there are other witches in the world who want to capture Honoka and use him for the power that he possesses inside of him. What is that anime? Think about it. Let us know. And we'll tell you the answer right after this news break. Stick around. you wild anime fans out there, Mitsugi's back. Did you miss me? It's time for more of your anime news. Leading us off today, many of us know of Gudetama, the, the cute little egg-shaped mascot that, well, is a Sanrio product of extreme laziness. He is probably the laziest mascot ever made, and so it's very surprising that he is making great strides in going to outer space with JAXA, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency for his fifth anniversary. Now, you will find online some cute videos that show Gudetama and an astronaut from JAXA explaining various things about outer space, such as the spacesuits that are used, the spacecrafts, and even the foods that are used, which, well, Gudetama seems more interested in the soy sauce than anything. So if you like Gudetama, or even if you like cute things, and if you need something else that's cute to, to obsess over, you might want to go online, check out some of these Gudetama videos that are put up by JAXA. You're not going to get much out of it other than the fact that it's ridiculously cute, but it's definitely worth a watch. Next up, more, an more anime news from Universal Studios' Cool Japan. Universal Studios has been doing anime exhibits in their theme park for quite some time now. Right now, they actually have a Neon Genesis Evangelion exhibit in the theme park, but it's about to be replaced by Monkey Punch's Lupin the Third. They're going to be having some pretty neat attractions there, including a, a some rides that people can go on that are themed after Lupin the Third, and also they're going to be transforming some facilities into a hangout and a restaurant that they feel like the cast from Lupin the Third might visit. So if you're a big fan of Noop on the 3rd and you're in Japan or planning to travel there, it's going to run from January 18th until May 26th of next year. So you have quite a bit of time to head over there and check it out. And you probably will want to check out other things as well. They're also going to have Detective Conan escape games there as well and Final Fantasy things also. So a little bit of something for everybody. Some box office news from Japan is next. Gintama 2, Okite wa Yaburu Tame ni Koso Aru, or The Law is Surely There to be Broken, the second live-action film from the Gintama property, has finally been defeated, and it has dropped to number five in its fifth week in the box office, earning about $1.3 million, bringing its grand total to just under $28 million 
It was in 345 theaters in Japan. So, pretty big uh, successful run for the film. The film has adapted, it covers both the Shinsengumi Crisis and the Shogun Reception arcs. And the latter of which features the introduction of the Shogun. So if you're a big fan of Gintama, well, the movie's still doing pretty well. It has done well, and I'm sure it'll be available to you somewhere, somehow in the future. Next up, a little bit of business news from Bandai Namco. They have announced that they have acquired 80% holdings in the toy collectible company that owns and operates under the brand Bluefin. They are establishing a new subsidiary named Bandai Namco Collectibles in October that are, that's going to continue to operate under the Bluefin name. Bandai has said that they are acquiring Bluefin to strengthen and speed up its merchandising sales in North America, Hobby Collectibles Market, and they're also going to be using Bluefin's local business knowledge and distribution networks to help them further penetrate North America's market. So just a business move by Bandai Namco, but they're always moving and shaking and trying to stay on top of things. This was Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. Now, it's time to get back to the podcast. Ugh, I am sick of this. What's wrong, Mitz? I'm really sick of all the censoring in anime. This is Monster Musume. Where's all the excessive fan service? And earlier it was Tokyo Ghoul. Where's all my violence? Well, I don't know where you've been watching anime, but you could always try High Dive. Oh, wait a minute. I've heard of High Dive. Yeah, man. High Dive clearly agrees with you because they offer a ton of uncensored anime. So if you want to see snake monster girls in all their glory, go for it. Yes. Wow, you're really excited for naked snake girls, Mitz. No, no. Well, I mean, yes, but High Dive has a seven-day free trial. And at only $4.99 per month, this is probably the most affordable streaming site I know of. It's a steal. Well, you want some icing on that anime cake? Layer it on me, baby. If you use the promo code AAAPODCAST at HighDive.com, you'll get a discount off your first month of service, and High Dive will know you're a true anime addict. Wow, thanks. So I'll get a seven-day free trial, and if I use the promo code AAAPODCAST at HighDive.com, I'll save on my first month as well. Well, now I'll definitely make my anime addiction worse. You've heard of Confessions of a Popedom. But now comes the heartwarming tale of Kazuo. I don't know any country songs, so I'm trying to like sing along to songs I don't know and getting drunk with some grandma. From the best-selling authors of Her Moe Majesty and the best Yuri bartender in Florida comes Growing Up Kazuo. First time I was in a shootout, two years old. South Bronx, going across the street in my baby stroller. My uncle was pushing me, and a shootout broke out in the middle of the street. Be there through the formative years. So I was 16, I think, and my family went on a cruise to the Bahamas. For some reason, they thought it was a good idea to give me and him, his name's Steve, um, our own room. Yeah. These two young men, let's give them their own room. What, what trouble could they possibly get into? As we're walking onto the cruise ship for the first time, we're walking through the hallway. There's like a, a door that's ajar, and I, I open it, and I look inside. It's like a janitorial closet, so there's like brooms and mops and whatnot. And there's also a big bottle of whiskey just sitting in this janitorial closet. I'm like, okay, mental note, close the door. So later on that night, we pick up the bottle of whiskey, get completely trashed. We're, we're basically drunk the entire cruise. Will a child's dreams come true? It wasn't even an option growing up. Like it was, it was a dream that a young poor boy had that I was like, one day I'm gonna go to Japan. And it was like, believe it. gonna go to Japan? And I was like, that's never gonna happen. That's not possible. <laughs> like at best you will 
not end up in prison. <laughs> and tales of young love. My first, like, real kiss. Like, we've all had, like, when we were kids, you little peck, you know, you're playing spin the bottle or something like that. But my first real, like, sexual kiss, like, makeout session. And we end up, her and I make, make our way to her bedroom. So this is about to get super explicit. She's got him on one side, me on the other. Then I... We, have you ever heard of a high, an Eiffel Tower? Growing up, Kazuo. Flying off bookshelves everywhere. Order yours now on Amazon or by visiting www.aaapodcast.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back to the 440th episode of the Animaniacs Anonymous podcast. And just as we return to the podcast, just in time for the main segment, as if by some clairvoyant divination, Enzo has appeared, a wild Enzo, fire type. It's true. Yes, we agreed that you are a fire type. That's right. You're fire type Pokemon. And we, also agreed, <laughs> we also agreed that you probably can't swim. I probably can't right. swim. Oh, man. Can you swim? I can. I can hold my own in a pool. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, then you're a very powerful Pokemon because not only are you fire type, but you are not as affected by water as others. So you might be an idea. You could be a legendary Pokemon. Uh, oh, wow. I'll take it. And so legendary Pokemon. But the thing is, like, I would love to be captured because I could just chill in a Pokeball, you know what I mean? Dude, I wonder, like, are, are the insides of Pokeballs just, like, super chill, like, areas? Like, do they have lounges and stuff? Like, what is it? I want to know. I want to know too. I have an image. What's in there? It's like a it's like a capsule hotel, and it's just chilling. You just chilling there. Yeah. Dude, you know what'd be awesome is if like they're all connected too through like a network. So it is like a capsule hotel. So they all have their own little capsules to sleep in. But then they just walk around in like the the area where everybody's chilling out, watching TV and stuff. <laughs> oh, you mean like just, okay, okay. You're saying like say you're in Pokeball A, Manny's in Pokeball yeah. B, and I'm in Pokeball C. But we share the same owner, so the same network, so we have living room. Yes. We have a living room where we can all chill together. Yes. Wow, that yes. sounds <laughs> awesome. What if you're in the middle of like watching something, then you get called a battle? That sucks. That's uh, that was like you're on the you're on the season like finale the- of Game of, of Game of Thrones or something, and you're like stoked, <laughs> yeah. and you get called to battle to fucking do Ash's whim. That sucks. Mm-hmm. That that's that would you're be on awesome. call twenty four seven. I I choose to believe that. Yeah, that's 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 my head cannon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's so, All good right, to so be we had an intro trivia question. <laughs> hook us, ho- hook me up with this intro trivia question. Yeah, Mandy, you want to grab that one since I read it before? Uh, sure. So the intro trivia question before uh, the news break, and it was a guess that anime. It was. It turns out that Ayaka is a fire witch, and there are other witches in the world who want to capture Honoka and use him to power that. Um, use the power that he possesses inside of him, and the answer was witchcraft works. Oh. Mm, yeah, I have not seen that one. Yeah, that was an anime that we reviewed when I was in Japan. So that was a Cram, Chiaki, and a Mitsugi joint. Okay, back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Back but um, day. as we have on most weeks, it's time for Mandy's manga minutes. <laughs> minutes, Ooh, I made it maybe to the best optional part. minutes. So, um, <laughs> Mandy, are you ready to steal the show? Yep, I'm ready. Let's take a minute for the Manga Minute with Mandy. Alrighty, so Mandy's Manga Minute is where I take a minute and, or a couple minutes to tell you about a manga 
and hopefully that you haven't heard of and hope you find something new to read. And this week I am doing Complex Age. Um, so 26-year-old Nagisa Katara well, has a secret. By all appearances, she is an average temp worker, and beneath her business casual exterior, she's a devoted cosplayer, transforming into her favorite anime and manga characters is her passion in life. And her hard work and creativity has earned Nagisa respect among her cosplay cohorts. But to the rest of society, her hobby is still a, just a silly fantasy. So she has to keep her two worlds separate. However, as demands from both sides of her life begin to increase, she may one day have to make a tough choice. What's more important to her, cosplay or just being normal? Um, cosplay, or complex, I said cosplay, <laughs> complex age is a slice of life drama written and illustrated by Yui Sakuma. And it started as a one-shot that won the 63rd Tetsuya Chiba Award, and that one-shot can actually be found at the back of volume one. Um, there are six volumes total and all are available in English. You can find them both print and digitally. Um, I got this manga about a week ago, and I went into it not expecting anything. I just thought it was going to be kind of bland, and at the end of it, I actually ended up just buying the second volume, because wow. I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, I was surprised that all of the characters are adults. All, it's a, a small cast of women, and they're all adult women. They actually act like adults. Um, our main character, Nagisa, is a bit of a cosplay elitist at the start of the series. She um, goes to conventions and judges others based on how poorly their cosplay is, how their outfits are crafted, if they purchase them online. She's kind of looking down on others and flat out refuses to take a picture with one girl because she didn't like her costume. So, um, but after coming face to face with a girl who's able to cosplay her favorite anime character better than she ever could, it's interesting to see how her opinions start changing. She starts to open up, regain confidence in herself because it was kind of shot down at that point, and realize that uh, they're all in this just for fun, and while also deciding if maybe she's getting too old for this and uh, for this hobby. Um, the art in it is very simple, and but the character designs are pleasant. Um, there are unfortunately a lot of like blank backgrounds, which uh, you know. If that bothers you, maybe not. Maybe you skip out on it. But um, and there are also a lot of anime cameos in it. Like in Volume One, there's a lot of Degnan Rampa uh, characters. Uh, there's a lot of cosplay tips and tricks mentioned on um, just little tricks on, like for example, boiling a wig, how to boil a wig to uh, dye it, and yeah, um, it's definitely a very simple story. But if you have a passion or like an interest in cosplay, I would definitely recommend it. It was. It was very interesting. This is a new one for Maddie. Recent. Yeah. How many total yeah, volumes? Read it last week. How many total volumes are out of this? Or did you mention that six. already? Six. There's volumes. there's only six, and they're all out available right now. Cool. What what are you guys gonna be doing for your next manga club on the Discord? Uh, Bloom into you, and that actually that anime is coming out next season. That sounds interesting. The blo- oh the, wow. the one you're about to read. Bloom into you. It's the uh, shoujo eye romance mm, that's probably why so i want to read that <laughs> <laughs> so it's a timely it's a timely release it's a timely book club yeah. entry for you guys mm-hmm. all right well as yeah, always I, thank you man i think oh sorry i was gonna say i think it starts next week the anime that makes sense we're gonna have to pick our uh our fall anime really soon oh it's already that time either next, oh my god either, either next episode or the following episode we'll have to do it Oh, man, I gotta start doing some research. Time has gone All by right, so guys. fast for me. <laughs> well, speaking of research, we uh, we spent some time this weekend picking our top 
anime directors, and our lists are very different. Top so, 10 anime directors. With the exception of the top of the list, which I think are a little consistent, we were pretty mm-hmm. spread apart. I'm, I'm super excited about this topic for a couple of reasons. Because you're a hater? No. What? No. You're a what? Hater. One is because <laughs> it's exciting to talk about some of the best directors in anime, just overall. And also, it's a top 10. And you know how I feel about top 10s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is like, this is like double, double the fun for me. Mitsugi is hunting for a drop. Double the fun, <laughs> double mint gum. I don't know what drop he's looking for. Well, all right. So why don't we just? I figured this topic. We I so I took all of our scores and I aggregated them into a final list. Yes. And I think that as we go through from number ten to number one, we are going to find that we don't agree. And Definitely. I, we're not going to agree on this first one. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't fill this out. Oh my god. I'm you did not, Enzo. I'm so sorry. So this is an aggregate of. Uh, <laughs> Mitsugi, Mandy, and I. Yes. My. Uh, I'll, so why don't we just I'll jump? interject let, let, as you guys go because I, I have my, just, I have my top five at least. Okay. Let's just jump right in with number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Oh, I forgot we had that. Number ten is <laughs> Shinichiro Watanabe, which yes. we all know as, for the most part, as the creator of Cowboy Bebop or the director of Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Samurai Champloo. So now, now I put him on my list. Um, where did I put him? I put him at number seven. So, because although I do appreciate much of his works, yep. I did not appreciate his last couple of works. I didn't rank him at all. Wow, that's really mm. interesting. I probably would have given him, honestly, like six or five for me. Yeah. So, I, I, I definitely feel like he deserves to be on there. I mean, just simply for, I mean, Cowboy Bebop, considered by many to be one of the greatest anime of all time. And, and one of the anime that you show people to get them into anime. So, it's like for that alone, mm-hmm. he deserves to be on there. But then you have. I mean, I'm not really sure about that. And, well, well and, yeah, and, almost everyone agrees with that, you know, I but also, there are definitely some that don't. I also well, think that he's like, and the reason that I think he should be on the top 10 is because he's very like versatile in his directing because yes. you can put him behind the the helm of Cowboy Bebop or you can put him in a different time setting in Samurai Champloo or you can give him Kids on the Slope and he yes. can do that too and he does Kids on the Didn't Slope super well. Did he do some well. Space Dandy too? I, he did Space yeah, Dandy. He did so. Space Dandy, yeah. yeah. Which so, uh, I didn't care for. So, like, I mean, I guess a lot of my thought process was how influential are the works that they do. And to me, I know that we all, lo- I know we all love Cowboy Bebop. I love Cowboy Bebop too, even though you know it's like, oh, you didn't rank him, so you must hate Cowboy Bebop. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> um, I, I, I would venture that I can smoke most people. Nine out of one hundred people, I will smoke you in Cowboy Bebop knowledge. Mm. I have seen every, Cowboy Bebop knowledge. I have I have seen every episode of Bebop probably twelve times. Okay, because I watched it on TV for th- four, nine straight years. Okay, but unfortunately, Cowboy Bebop in Japan didn't even make a ripple. Well, okay. and so it didn't influence much in Japan that I know of. Sure. And if you ask fine. if you ask some Japanese people in Japan, if you ask Japanese people over there if they've if that which I've done, mm-hmm. do you like Cowboy Bebop? They might know what it is, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be like, oh, super excited to talk about it. They yeah. don't. They just don't care. And so, like, as far as I just don't know that if I just don't, I'm not aware that our opinions over here mm-hmm. in the United States mm-hmm. are the same. Influence as anything that happens in Japan. Sure, I, I because feel like that. I feel that because we're just such an afterthought to them. Yeah. All, all we are is a distribution right. Yeah, to them. It's interesting so for like, me though because, um, and this is just like, it, and I don't know if this is a very like proper way to compare skill of directing because obviously i'm not an expert but i look at the way the movie whiplash was directed right this jazz this jazz movie that won an oscar 
and then I look at the way the Kids on the Slope was directed in terms of like the music scenes, and I I found them both to be profoundly like very well done, like super well mm-hmm. done. So like to me, like for him to be able to capture that in animation, like that same feeling of like music drawing you into a scene, it's I think that's a that's a huge skill that has to put you in a in a top ten of your field. So that's why to me he's up there for me. Yeah, and again, this is not like the top 10 most successful directors, the top 10 mm. most influential directors. Just, uh, this is me. our yeah. top 10. Mm-hmm. Well, we great, all have what we consider to be the greatest directors. Sure. We all have different like methods for our choosing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think he's a fine director. I just don't know that like Samurai Champloo, you know, broke uh, some ground don't in the anime. You anime talk industry. trash about Samurai Champloo. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I will fight you I right here. I will come here, across man. this one foot gap and snuggle you. Don't. Oh, God. No, never that mind. That is your kryptonite. I surrender. It's like, punch me all you want, but don't you dare snuggle me. No, please no. Affection. I had him no on my thanks. list at number eight. Number eight? Had See, I, think, I, think, well, I feel like the range of eight through six is is like where I would yeah. put him also. Like, he's there for me. Therapy. Yeah, he is a. I would put he's a he is a tier two when it comes to like the greatest directors in anime for me. Like there's the tier one, which are like the gods of anime, you know, like myself. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But then there's also <laughs> tier two, which is we have I a drop for falls, that. We're going to be using falls soon. right into Ooh. what a we god a of drop. anime. Drop? Have, you have a segment coming up. Oh wow! All right. Anyway, so <laughs> should we move on? Sure. Number nine. S- number nine on S- number the list. Number nine. S- S- number nine was uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. Yes. Interesting. Whom I had ranked number seven, who was the director of Akira. And I had directed him, other things as well. I had him number eight, so pretty close there. Yeah, he, I mean, he hasn't, I guess he hasn't directed a whole lot. He's mainly a writer, but simply for directing Akira, it's like, you know, you've got you've to gotta put him on your list. I mean, that's that's one of the most i guess influential anime movies of all time but he's also directed um memories he did a, a segment in there the cannon fodder segment um he did steam boy steam boy yep he, he's done a couple different things but i think primarily uh akira is is what he's known for i mean akira broke akira was the title that broke into the west yeah that was the that was like the first like stake that was driven into the west as far as anime was concerned and if you ask people that don't even watch anime, have you seen Akira, or you show them an image from Akira, sometimes they recognize it because it's just so, it penetrated so deeply yeah, it's in iconic. our culture. It hit mainstream. It hit mainstream before anime as a whole was mainstream, for sure. I mean, yeah, it was in the 80s, late 80s, right? yeah. early 90s. L- yeah, late 80s. So, I mean, I just think that Akira is so influential um, that in Japan and here. That And honestly, have you guys watched Akira lately? Not lately. It's been uh, a, it's been a lately, solid no. like five years. Yeah, it's yeah. been a few years for sure. Dude, that anime looks so freaking good. Like, yeah, my friends is... say it holds up. Like, like quality wise, um, it still holds up to this day. Like, I would modern say animation. I think it more than holds up. I mean, yeah. the like, I mean, it's it's something that I feel like anime that came out today can't even dream of. You know, they're not they don't have the money or the talent behind them to spit out something like that. Just even just the city backgrounds, like the cityscapes are just ridiculous. Akira is just a special anime. Oh yeah, just movie the motion on just the motion of everything when he's on the motorcycle. Like it's hard yeah, to it, do that shit. It really I is. I saw a compilation not too long ago of like all of these different anime that copied that like bike slide is oh, so yeah. like such an influential moment in Akira that there's so many of them. Well, Dude, it's not it just anime. In, it's the bike slide was in Ready Player 1, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in it's in I mean 
it, it was in Tron. It's in like everything. Yeah. Like Akira is is so influential, not just in the anime world, but I actually completely forgot to put him on my list. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wasn't thinking because I think Akira is the only anime of his that I've seen. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, he hasn't done much. He he didn't come to mind for me when this topic was presented because I've only ever seen Akira really with his name. Like that's the only body of work that I've seen his name put under. So I I doesn't it doesn't like register for me as someone that I that I would put in like a top. But I mean, after this discussion though, like I I would have to give him like at least ten. Like I would have to. It was definitely tricky for me to put together my list because a lot of these people do more than just direct. Like he's primarily, I would say, a mangaka. Like he writes mostly and he's directed a few things. And there are others um, as well that I didn't put on my list because they are primarily known mm-hmm. for like their their manga work. And so it was it was a little tricky to kind of delineate, okay, what specifically have they directed? You know, um, like for example, I'm so terrible with names. The, the the god of manga, basically. Tezuka. Tezuka. Like I was tempted to put him on my list, but I'm like, well, he hasn't really directed much of anything. I thought of that too. Yeah. And I was like, well, but he's not really known for anime. He's known for manga. So. Yeah. So I couldn't put him on my list. So there's definitely a few like that. That just. I mean, if you if, if this was a greatest like manga cub of all time, Tezuka's number one. Oh, of course. So, but I mean, it's uh, you know, that's not what this is. Um, moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Number eight. <laughs> Number eight is, <laughs> is it's so cute. Is is Masaki Yuasa? Mm, and here, here, yeah, I put him in number here's three. Here's where, me. yeah, like if I was, if I actually feel this, it would have skewed him because I would put him like I like top three for me. Same, he was yeah. number three yeah. for me. I was actually looking him up, and I was like, man, I would love to put him on the list, but I just have not seen any of his work. But I know Ooh. how good he is just by from what I've have seen and what everybody's talked mm, about. But I, I couldn't put him on the to list be myself even, like more real real like real real like he's contender for number one for me because wow yeah, yeah because when i watch his work it's like um it's not only the like not only are the stories that are attached to his directing like good but it's like it's like the the animation and the way it's presented is such a powerful tool in the way he does it that it's a whole different ball game for me. Like it's just it's, it's an ex- so it's an unique. entirely different like experience watching his anime compared to watching a Ghibli, a Ghibli film, which is also immersive. But like I find myself completely entwined with what's going on on the screen when I watch a Yuasa um, work, and that's something that I can't put a price on. I can't put any like any type of um, like quantitative number two yeah. because it's something that i crave when i experience art and he does it for me in anime more it, so than like other he, than other directors it's like he's not just creating and again this is coming from somebody who hasn't really watched any of his works but just has heard about him right but it seems as if he's not just creating like a show or a movie exactly. like he's creating a piece of art yeah he's that like is in really, story like, format yeah, he's like all in like he is all in with the way that he does it and he sticks to it and all and all of his work you know it's him like you know it's him when you see something that he does and that that to me is super important when you're at the helm of an of an industry like an artistic industry so that's why he to me is a contender for number one and I, now i regret i didn't know we were doing this excel thing because i suck and i've been really busy but i regret not having <laughs> been able to put him at number one <laughs> yeah and i i wish i had watched his stuff so that way i could i could put him on the list so i feel bad that it's... he's not on there very like his work is very creative very experimental too and they really push the boundaries of like anime um i was thinking 
of um, mind games. Yes, dude. Oh my god, <clears throat> there's mind game. so many crazy moments in mind game that were just. I, the only other person that I can think of that I've seen do, like, I know a lot of animators do rotoscoping, but not in the way that he used it. And the only other person I could think of was Kuchu Baranko from Kenji Nakamura, which was um, where the actual actors are part of the anime. And it's just so fascinating to watch. Yeah. It's, he's so, he just experiments with them. He's constantly trying to do something new. Yeah. It, I and love I, it. And we I, should also mention his his works, because yeah, you mentioned Mind right, Game, but yeah. we haven't really mentioned any of his other yeah, works. I, I, so I'll list off, um, re in recent times, he did Delamant Cry Baby, which came out on Netflix. Um, so good. So good. Before that was Ping Pong the Animation, which to me so good. is a 10 out of 10. So these two are already like 10 out of 10s for me. Um, he's done Mind Game, the movie, which I got to see in theaters here with Become a Modern in the chat. To me, that was an amazing 5 out of 5 movie for me. Amazing movie. Um, he's done Tatami Galaxy, which is a really, really creatively... Um, like just really well in anime and oh, I forget I'm forgetting a lot of shit but those are the ones that come to mind for me instantly when I think of his name um he also did Kaiba, Kaiba. he did the night is short walk on girl yes, he did also a recent um, one. Kemono Zume he did kick heart which was like a short about a sumo wrestling or not I'm sorry uh professional wrestling not sumo wrestling you, you know what I'm finding interesting though is that I, I I find that with a lot of creatives like people that are that are not just because you have you have the, you have directors and writers that are just um like they're just telling a story, right? It's not they're not exploring the depths of like the human condition and art and rep you know representation like but with the real creatives, those that are like trying to express something deeper, you find that they aren't as prolific. Like it seems like they don't come out with things as often and it seems like he's pumping things out every couple of years and still maintaining a really yeah. high level of just artistic representation. Yeah. Like no, that's 100%. incredible. Yeah, I want to talk about that. One of my favorite things that I ever that I've ever seen in his works was in that movie Mind Game. The mm -hmm. main character, uh, like this is not a spoiler. It's literally like the first ten minutes of the movie. The main character that you follow dies in the beginning, and he ascends to go see shot in the butt. Yeah, he gets shot in the butt, and he a shot in the butt. He, he ascends to go see what Yuasa's vision of God is. And, That's awesome. Um, it was so, really cool. But the but the what makes this scene ridiculous in his conversation with this god is that every time the camera cuts away from God and then back to God, God is presented in a different form. Like it's a different animal, it's a different like humanoid figure. Every single time it cuts away from God a million times, and every time it comes back to God, it's a different form it's a different type of character and to me that was so sick because like and this is just me what this is what i took away from that is that he's he's kind of saying like god this is not one thing man he's god is just like this fluid th this fluid being that's just out there and just like he doesn't have to say that in the movie but he's but that's him directing yeah. the art i think he did say way. it i think he said to him uh my form can't choose one because you can't pick what you want me to mm -hmm. be mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm, so good, but but yeah, even then, like a director didn't even have to. He didn't have to do that. He could have, he could have just said that line, but it's him that goes and I'm like, goes and says, "I'm gonna twist this a little more to make that hit harder." And it does, and it totally does for me. And that's why to me, he's like, he's like, he's. I think he's my number one currently. Also, in Samurai Champloo and Mugen's tripping, that was you, also. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Whew. All right, should we move on? Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I feel like that's a, a director, 
a director that not a lot of people will know about. So it's it's cool that we get to put him out there. Number seven is Hideaki Anno. Anno. I disagree oh, with this one. Anno. No, he. Here's the thing. Like Anno, he has to be up here because whether you. I'm the only one that ranked him. He's not on my list because. Yeah. I, and I agree with. I would have put him on here too, even though like. Like I will be number one with you if you're like anti Ava because I think that is one of the biggest letdowns of anime in all time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you yeah. cannot deny that that shit looked great. <laughs> that I mean, thing looks amazing, and it it just moves super well. Everything about the anime moves super well. It's just it's it's great. It's just a, it's a shame that the writing went to shit, but directing wise, damn. I mean, I guess this is like Mitsuki's defense of Ano because yeah, I literally... He's not, he's not in my top 10. He yeah. is in my top 20, So all right, I so would he, say. So here are a few reasons why Ano, I think, is great. So first of all, obviously Evangelion. You like it or hate it, Evangelion is as big to anime mm. as anything. Yeah. Yeah. And Actually, maybe, pop, maybe yeah. the biggest thing anime has ever I created. I give it and to you, dude. I give it to you. Yeah. I and, mean, that, and that's not the you, measurement tool that I was going by, but I, mean, you can talk, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You can talk shit on Evangelion all you want. We all we all know Evangelion is like, not like the greatest thing ever made, but Evangelion is, it's like, it, it, if the anime machine is like this complex machine with all these gears and sprockets in it, Evangelion is one of the biggest gears in the machine. Mm. It's everywhere. The it show is, is, is the show is more than 20 years old, yeah. but you can't turn a street corner in Japan without seeing it. Yeah, it's very it, profitable. It's everywhere for sure. Dude. It's profitable. It's inspirational to people. There it has and it has countless fans, and it's and it's and it continues to prolif- to proliferate even today. Dude, it, and um, I I don't want to like put. I want to agree with you there on that point because it is such an amazing work in terms of just IP alone, in terms of like aesthetics. Because I have plenty, plenty, plenty of friends that don't watch anime but own Ava merchandise because they just think it looks cool, and that's like that's. That's just testament to how good of a product that anime was at, at, in terms of like art, because people just love it for the way it looks alone. So, yeah. I have two. I have two other things here. The other one is that Ano in his early years was a pivotal part of Studio Gainax. So he did mm. Gunbuster, which is oh, nice. which is a, which is an anime that you know is considered to be, you know, one of the most classic anime that you're gonna see, you know, anywhere. He he did it. he did other works as well. He did, obviously Evangelion is Gainax, right? Um, yeah. His inner circumstances is Gainax. It's so very he, obviously Gainax. He was an important part of Studio <laughs> Gainax's is founding, <laughs> and also and this is sort of like more of an abstract idea. But if you watch the the documentary about Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. Ano yes, is one I of am. the only I directors am. that Miyazaki respects. Wow. He brought in fact to the point where Ano has has done voice work for Miyazaki's movies. That's crazy. Miyazaki's a guy that'll that'll look at you. He doesn't respect his own son. He'll look he'll, he'll look at you, draw you on a piece of paper in his pretty little Ghibli art style, put it on the floor and urinate all over your picture. Yeah. That's Miyazaki. But he doesn't choose to do that with Ano. He puts Ano in that same group with Takahata where he'll bring he brings him into the studio. It's hugs. It's I respect you so much and I respect your work to the point where I want to have your voice in my works. Yeah. And I trust Miyazaki more than I trust myself like Mi- on this topic. <laughs> True. So, that's fair. So like I, Miyazaki's son has directed films and Miyazaki doesn't even like those. <laughs> like, Miyazaki, his son is covered in cigarette burns. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it's just what it is. But, you know, it's uh, you know, uh Miyazaki and, and, and Ano have like a you know, have like a Yaoi romance going on. So like <laughs> it's uh it is what it is. So Yeah. 
I trust Miyazaki in his opinion and in, in, uh, when who is who is and who is not to be respected in the anime. Well, I guess that's fair. I can't argue with that. <laughs> so, and, but by the way, that and by the way, that documentary is friggin' amazing. Wait, which one was that? Um, Dreams of Dream, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Oh, dude, oh yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful piece of. Isn't that of, on YouTube or something? It's on. I think it's on Crunchy. It was on. It's on. It's well. It's on Netflix recently. Okay, oh. it's on one of them. But like, dude, you get an hour of Miyazaki literally speaking to you. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and Takahata too. Yeah, I feel like I don't even know how they got this footage. I wonder. I wonder if either of them will be on our list. I wonder. I wonder. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out as we crawl up this list. Number six. Number six on the list is. Yoshiyuki Tomino, Tomino, who is basically the creator of Gundam. Yeah, I mean, come on now. I mean that. I mean, talk about iconic series. Like Gundam is, it's its its own genre practically. It's its own cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. In 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 the way that Evangelion is important to anime, Gundam is equally, if not more, important to anime. Podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I would say, yeah, possibly more. I mean, it, another analogy: if uh, if anime is a four lane highway, mm-hmm. one of those lanes is it's Gundam. Gundam. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. So <laughs> it's like the man can't be ignored, and he's been his career has been so long. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, the first Gundam came out in what uh, seventy nine or something? No, what was it? Crap, I can't remember. It was late seventies. I mean, this guy has directed a ton of stuff. I mean, it's crazy. So. You, you you can't leave him off the list. I mean, he is the man is Gundam. When he, I don't know if he has a lifetime achievement award yet, but he needs one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam came out in 1979. Yes, I was right. So I mean, and you're talking about a guy who you know he's got like, he's got he's like 50 years of Gundam under his yeah. belt. Now I will say he also wrote and directed one of the greatest anime of all time. That's right, Garzy's Wing. Oh, oh dear Ooh. lord! I was gonna say Kintaba. <laughs> so is that the dog points or does that not the dog points? <laughs> yeah, we so we might have to. Oh <laughs> we may have to bump him down the list a little bit for that yeah, one. He almost loses. <laughs> he almost loses his spot on the list just for that. <laughs> for Garzy's wing, he wrote and directed that. What the hell was he saying? That That's a double combo to the points right there. Damn. Ooh. I, I want to believe that the man had there was some some impediment to his progress on that. He was, on that he was just high off his balls. It was the '90s. He was partying. There was the bubble going on. He, he was, was just, eating shrooms he was left and right. Doing a bunch of coke. Else, he was just like, "Well, this is all I got." So uh, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, Tomino is it is way too important to be left off the list. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Number five. This one makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Does it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Number five is. Probably, possibly my favorite director in anime. So you had him number, but f- and yet and yet you put him four. That's because I'm 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 not uh, biased. I put him eight. Mandy put him nine. Yeah. Yeah, I put him nine. This is uh, only, I only put him down lower because I haven't seen everything that he's done. This is Mamoru Hosoda. Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Mamoru Hosoda. Walt Disney. Who um for those that don't know directed the first film that he ever directed. Was Digimon the movie, which, was which is an sick. awesome movie. Yeah. Well, not to be biased or anything. Uh, I mean, it's it is an awesome it's movie. Um, awesome, and you, and you can definitely tell his style from that because if you also have seen like Summer Wars, it's like mm-hmm. wow, this is very similar style. But he's also done The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, yeah. which is very critically acclaimed. Cool yeah, great movie. Uh, Wolf Children, oh, one amazing. of my favorites, amazing. man. Oh. 
Summer man. Wars. Yeah, Summer Wars, which I mentioned. The uh, the Boy and the Beast, which yeah, is which is awesome. Oh, such an awesome movie. And um, uh, Mirai of the Future, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Is that out already? That's, that's that very new. If it's if it's not out yet, it's very new. Yeah. So I mean, his his style is just so beautiful to watch, and the way he tells his story is just it. It like wraps you up and like makes you want to be there with the characters, and you get so in- involved in it. It's just it makes you feel good, like uh, you know. It's he just he does a tremendous job of of telling his stories, and the animation's always just off the charts. Midnight of the Future came out in May. In May, oh, okay, I have to see that. I, well, I would say it. the Wolf Children is one of the best anime movies I've ever, ever. seen. Yes. Ever, that movie ever. is freaking amazing. Dude. Yeah, it wrecks And me. I feel I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I love the beginning of that movie where she's making love to the wolf guy. Like it's very well. Uh, it's a very a like, one. but but I don't love it because he's uh, a wolf. There's just a lot of passion. Like it's a taboo relationship, and they don't care. And there's so much passion in that moment. My, you guys uh, know that I'm a. You guys know that I'm a romantic, right? Yeah, no. And it's I, like I also lo- it, I also think that part of the movie is very special too. Um, my favorite part of that movie is the time lapse when you see the kids growing up by the way by the camera going from mm-hmm. classroom to classroom. And each each time is just a great up, and you see them age like that. I think that was one of the most beautifully done time skips I've ever seen in movies and animation because it was it felt so organic. Like you're watching kids grow up, and an essential part of a kid's life is schooling and education. So to see them, and it's it's a time that a lot of us in our life relate to because we've all, I mean, most of us have been through like elementary school. So it was it's just really well done. It's really well done. And even in, in, in between those shots of the two classrooms, they give us a little bit of character moments of each of the two kids. And it just informs a lot of what comes after in the movie. Um, that movie is very special. It makes me cry almost every time because the ending is so powerful. Uh, oh my god the, dude. the scene where they're powerful. running in the forest yes dude it's good stuff, holy man. shit it's good a, a little fun f- fun fact about hosada uh he was commissioned by studio ghibli to direct howl's moving castle uh, oh, wow. initially but he left during the pro- early production stages i wonder um, what yeah, he was like you're trash i'm gonna pee on your picture <laughs> <laughs> summer wars is responsible for my love for hanafuda <laughs> I have Hanafuda on like every mobile device that I have, yeah. some different form of it, and Steam. <laughs> and, and just from reading his his Wikipedia here, it mentions one point which is pretty obvious when you look at his work. It says that he studied studied oil painting. He studied. Mm. Studied. He studied and studied. Wow. Oil painting, um, in college. So that you can kind of see that in, in in some of his art. So he's. Yeah, uh, he's he's one of my favorite. He just it makes me feel good to watch his movies. It does make me feel good to watch his movies, yeah. man. You're right. Yeah, he's on my list too. Like, like up there, like top five. Number four. Number four. Who's number four? Mamoru Oshii. Oshii. Yeah, I put him at number four for me. Uh. And yeah, where I had him on my right. list as well. I don't know if he was that high though. Uh, I don't know. But um, I put him down for Ghost in the Shell because Ghost in the Shell is incredibly uh, inspir- inspired so many different, um, like, it changed sci-fi. It kind of did change sci-fi. Basically. <laughs> what? No, I agree. It definitely, it, like, oh, it oh, put a damn stamp into the whole genre. Yeah, it inspired so many different uh, films, including you know, The Matrix, iRobot, Ex Machina, Avatar. They came out, or uh, James Cameron said that Ghost in the Shell was a big... Um, inspiration for avatar just so many different works and 
the reason why I put him down is because he transformed Ghost of the Shell to what we know today. Because I, I've been a huge fan of Ghost of the Shell for a long time, and I have the original mangas that came out in the late '80s, and I have uh, the other ones that came after that, the uh, human error processor, a man machine interface, and when you read those in try to watch the movie afterwards they're so completely different because the original manga was so slapstick heavy it was the major was goofy she was very immature it was not what we see in the movie he transformed he took that idea the basic idea from the manga and transformed it into this for me a masterpiece and i he did such a good job. He really changed that series and made it something amazing. Yeah. Because, I mean, not that I'm saying the manga is terrible, but it's different. It's so different. <laughs> he he, ch he changed the, the way that sci-fi is done, like, just yeah. overall in, in, in all forms of entertainment and media. So, I mean, he's he's an icon for sure. I, I feel like it's him and, um, again, terrible with names, creator of Akira, like, Otomo, yeah, Otomo, like those two, completely changed the way sci-fi is done, and and mm -hmm. they're are super uh, influential in that genre. He also did Yurusei Yatsura, who which is Lum is basically a sex symbol. She was for a long time. That was a really long-running, super popular series. Oh, yeah. And if you look, like Lum has been very much a sex symbol in Japan for a long time. And he also did Pat Labor. Oh wow, which is a very well-known property that yeah. is still celebrated. So. Yeah, so the man's done a lot of stuff, and he has, a, and he's wearing a badass beanie in that photo. You know, one thing I've noticed about a lot of these directors is that they are all in their like fifties, sixties, seventies. Like none of them are young, at all. Gee, I wonder why. Because nowadays they're plucking janitors out of out of uh, yeah, you know, out of out of high schools to be directors. Yeah, it would be curious to see like what young directors, some like up and coming directors are. are Gee, there was there was a young guy. Nah, I, I, can't I wonder think if I wonder if a certain young guy will be on this list. Can't think of a single one. Hmm. <laughs> Number three. All right. Number three, I believe, was prepare for the feels. Was yeah. <laughs> was Takahata. Yep. Yeah. Which I put number one, I think, on the list. So um, I just flat out don't agree with you guys. I think I had him at number three on um, my list. I don't know where I would put him. I think I'd put him like four or or three. Five. Now, yeah. now, 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 let me tell you why I have Takahata number one. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Not only did he co-found Studio Ghibli back when, um, back towards the beginning of Miyazaki's, not even the beginning of Miyazaki's career. I'm talking like you know a decade or so, yeah. even longer. When Miyazaki was just a guy working at a studio. In 1988, there was a certain movie called My Neighbor Totoro. And no one on the friggin' planet knew who Miyazaki was because he still he still hadn't cracked the market or whatever, yeah. right? And there was this guy named Takahata who everybody knew already and was already famous. And they and as I told this story like ten times in this podcast, they put they made Totoro a double feature with Grave of the Fireflies, <laughs> Grave of the Fireflies. because they didn't think anybody was gonna watch Totoro because no one gave a shit about Miyazaki. And the only reason why. People got exposed at that point to My Never Told Toro Miyazaki was because they went to see Grave of the Fireflies. Can you imagine and that emotional roller coaster? And in some, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, just imagine how you felt when when May went missing. You're, you're bawling, your tears rolling down your face, and then it's, Totoro starts. It's like you 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 just watched two kids starve to death, and now and now you're watching, now May goes missing, and you're like, oh god, 
Yeah, is that why that rumor started? Where they're like, oh, May's actually dead. Theory. (laughs) So... You can make the, you can make an argument, and I'm not saying that Miyazaki wouldn't have become what he is today. Uh, I, I, he's too great to be to say that he wouldn't become a great director one way or the other. Yeah. But you can make an argument that the reason why Miyazaki and Totoro and, and Ghibli are what they are is because of Takahata. Yeah. No. I, 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 in a big way, and I mean, and Takahata, like, I feel like a lot of his works aren't as as well recognized as a lot of what um miyazaki did but i mean that's for sure but some of his i mean grave of the fireflies alone deserves you a spot on the list like that that movie is so just monumental and um, i mean like emotionally compelling and and important like it's really important not just for like and anime as a medium and and it is for sure important for anime as a medium but it's just important for like history and for understanding the struggles of man and 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 man's uh, uh, injury to other men, like what you know, what what humans are capable of, like it's it's just important. I mean, now l- let me run through some of these works because Takahata. I mean, yeah, some of these directors we've had are are on here because they did like one anime. Yeah, Takahata has like fucking forty of these. Listen mm-hmm. to this: Gegege no Kitaro was was the original director of Gegege no Kitaro. He was the original director of Lupin the Third, along with Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did Heidi, Girl of the Alps, which not many people have seen, but trust me, very important. Future Boy Conan, which is a mo- which is a show that I try to get people to watch because it's freaking great. It is, yeah. It's from 1978, but it's amazing. Like it, like it, like brought me to tears like over and over again. It's so good. Anne of Green Gables. Those are just TV TV series pre Ghibli, right? And then, and then, and then there's the filmography that that are also pre Ghibli: Horus, Prince of the Sun, Panda yeah. Go Panda, Gouch the Cellist. He worked on Naoshka Valley of the Wind, mm-hmm. Grave of the Fireflies, Only Yesterday, Palm Poco, My Neighbor the Amadas, Winter. I don't even know what 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 the heck is Winter Days. I'm not sure know. what that is. Um, and then the Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is a that which movie I is amazing. Not nominated for an Academy Award. I love. I that mean, movie. this guy, this guy has left his mark throughout anime for 50 years. Yeah, I mean, holy heaven. Well, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, and 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 the man has some has some damn nice hair. <laughs> well, had, damn, had. Well, damn. he probably still has hair somewhere. Wow. Damn. Okay, that was that's dark. Damn, Cosmo. <laughs> Why well, do you have to do I mean, that? I'm sorry. I was trying to be funny, you and you ruined. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted I yes. just wanted to make sure that Mandy knew that he was no longer with us. Takahata did pass away. I uh, cried. I cried like four times. I did. Yeah. If you're crying on that one, you're gonna cry in this next one, for sure. Anyway, does anybody else have anything else to add about Takahata, or did I totally hog? No, that, that was you, you covered no, it. You nailed it for me. Yeah. Number two. I'll shut my mouth for this one. Uh, no, no, please. No, please number two. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> number two is another one that's gonna get you right in the feels because he could have been number one. Uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but unfortunately, his time was cut short, and that is Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon yeah. died at age forty-seven. 46. 46. Yeah. I mean, and the man has one fine mustache and a ponytail. Yes. His ponytail is cool as hell. I mean, okay, just, yeah, go go ahead. Let's go through his filmography here. Satoshi Kon. Yeah, okay, yeah, if you want to list some off, that's, yeah, do that. So specifically his directorial work. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the original, like, OVA, it came out in, like, 94. Uh, Perfect Blue, Mm -hmm. Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfathers, Paranoia Agent, Paprika, 
uh, and then Good Morning, which was a short film that he directed. So those are just the work that he's directed. I mean, he's also written a bunch and, and done a lot of animation work as well. So, yeah. I think he only I think he only worked on on like a short part of the original JoJo though. Just want to make sure. Yeah, that I think it was a, I think it was one episode. Yeah, he only did a okay. little bit of it. Yeah, but he yeah. was still well, involved. He wrote several episodes, animated one, directed one. So yeah, he did some stuff there. I mean, have you guys seen Millennium Actress? Yes. Oh yes. my god. The movie is is is. is it's I love I'm, it. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't even have the words. And he wrote and directed I put him most down of this. For my number one. Yeah, he wrote and directed most of that. So it's not he's not just directing. Like those are like his creations from the ground up. Yeah. Like Millennium Actress, and Tokyo Godfathers, Paprika. You yeah, know, and then he wrote so, all and then so well. like so like to touch on like his style and like the reason that I hold him in really high regard myself, um, is because I think he has a very like like in in line with Yuasa, he has a very cool way of handling chaos on the screen because mm -hmm. i don't mean chaos in like a negative way i mean chaos in terms of like volume of shit happening on the screen because it just when he does it it feels in context and that's so hard to do like for example, take paprika take like the beginning of paprika when they have that like that march going on that's like really trippy and shit in that person's dream mm -hmm. um that is so hard to make look like it fits in in a world you know what I mean? Like that is really hard to capture on a screen without it looking over the top. When he does it, it just looks like it just makes sense that that would be there. And I th and yeah. I think it takes a lot of skill and like subtle understanding of how things work and move and physics to then deny all the all that and make it make your work not you know adhere to like laws of physics and everything because it, it's just it's it's incredible how he does it. it. It just makes sense when he does it. And then when you look at things like Perfect Blue, how he's able to capture um just like uh, like anxiety like the feeling of anxiety is incredible as well so i think because of that i ha like i respect him a lot for being able to like bring all these elements that are usually really hard to capture without looking corny but capturing them in a way that is just only highlighting them in in this art medium so that's why to me satoshi Kon is really important in anime because he does that um and that's also why similarly i like yuasa because yuasa's chaos is also uh it's it's like i don't want to say controlled because it's a lot but it is masterfully done like it's it's purposefully done and that's really hard to do yeah <clears throat> we're also never going to see that final movie probably uh, yeah there was there was there was a movie that he was working on uh before he died called uh dreaming dreaming machine and mm -hmm. it's still left unfinished. It's officially considered canceled, but uh, there's 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 been talk about you know potentially bringing it back and completing it. But you know at this point it's 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 just kind of lost the time. But it's, we are going to see. Oh, sorry, we are going to see an animated version of his Opus Magnum, right? Yeah, I, I believe that was announced. Uh, I'm sorry, not um, Opus the Opus, uh, manga, yeah. isn't the manga, it? Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Opus Magnum's a video game. <laughs> Damn it, Mandy. Oh, Mandy. Oh, Mandy. Uh, Opus. But yeah, I, I think with him, it's like what, what's especially um, devastating is that we he he did so much, but he was again so young when he passed that it's who knows what he could have done. He know, he affected man. he affected the industry and affected films. Like there are several films that talk about how um, like uh, you know like like live action kind of western films that they that the directors will talk about how they were impacted mm -hmm. by satoshi Kon, um and so he was able to be so effective in such a small period of time like who could imagine what he would have been able to accomplish had he stuck around for a few more decades 
I think he was. Uh, I think Perfect Blue was a uh, influenced uh, Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. I think there are loads of movies. What was the other one? Uh, Black um, Swan. Uh, yeah, yeah. As well, even though I believe the director denied that, but oh. it's pretty obvious <laughs> that it was impacted. Um, uh, you have Inception. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Inception. Yeah, Inception is is hugely like, affected. Almost blatantly so. Like almost almost yeah. disrespectfully copying the man. So in in Inception with Paprika. Yeah. It's the associated work, but yeah, he's he's an important dude, and it's it's a it's a huge bummer that he's not with us. Yeah. All right, let's move on. All right, this is it—the moment you've all been waiting for. Number one. And number one on the list is Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number one on the list is Hayao Miyazaki. Of course. Shocker, boys. I mean, this man, he's the man that will never quit. You, he's been called that. I he feel, never will. He's gonna, this man will die at his desk. I feel like when you think anime, you think Hayao Miyazaki. Like, anyone. Even, like, uh, well, first you think tentacles, but then you think Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> I, tentacles. I agree with the meme. I agree with the meme, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so, even, even if you don't know the guy's name, even if you don't... Even if you're not like super deep into the anime um, art medium, like you think of anime on a on a like a entry level, and you will think of a Studio Ghibli film because you might have seen one, even if you don't know that it's anime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people Absolutely. have seen Spirited Away who don't know that that's an anime. People have seen Totoro that don't know that's an anime, and that is incredible. That means your art is out there. Like for real, out there, readily available because it made it made itself so big that it's just there, like you can just get it. Um, it's incredible, Miyazaki. Uh, what, dude? Answering the question, why do you love Miyazaki, is such a hard question to answer because there's so much to, so much you can easily describe and so much you can't. Um, yeah. Because he's because of how incredible the work is. To me, what I like about Miyazaki the most is that he kind of like reminds me about the simple things that make being a human like really special um whether that is um the way the wind like blows across your face and across the grass and how beautiful that is or you know how beautiful it is to go to a big shop and buy bread that tastes really good how beautiful it is to eat food at a table with your family like all that stuff that he captures is just a reminder that like yeah the world can be shit but like being a human is a beautiful thing and that is an incredible thing to capture over and over and over again in so many of his works so to me that's why he's like he's like the best dude (laughs) he's just the best miyazaki is like this guy that founded ghibli right Mm -hmm. and has aside from all the commercial success because let's face it ghibli's made billions of dollars and disney Disney can't replicate this kind of qualities necessarily, so they license all the movies and distribute them. Mm-hmm. And John Lasseter is like, you know, worships Miyazaki because of, even though John Lasseter is like the head of Pixar, he still worships J- uh, Miyazaki. And Miyazaki is like, has brought up so many other staff members in the anime industry. He's like a, he's like a, he's like a, a man, he's like, he's like a how to make animation properly f- factory. Yeah, people like people people like Hiro Hiromasa Yonebayashi, who directed Kadigurashi no Arieti, and have gone on to do other work since then. Like people like him studied and came up under Miyazaki, and Miyazaki has helped to develop the anime industry into what it is through his works. And I mean, there's 
virtually not a breathing human in, in Japan that doesn't know at least half of Miyazaki's works. And like, I I was just telling Kazo a girl a story about, about a girl in my office who had like all this Totoro shit on her desk, and I'm like, this is a girl who's just sitting in some like place in my company who you know she may not even know that it's anime, but she knows Totoro because. Totoro has permeated everything. Exactly. And not only that. Same. I have a Totoro bag, and um, I could wear anime merch out, and I would never get a compliment, or not like someone recognizing it. But every single time I go out with that Totoro bag, somebody mentions it. Like, at, I went to a grocery store, and this old lady looked at my bag. She's like, oh, Totoro. I, lo- I showed that movie to my kids, and they loved Dude, it. how special <laughs> is that, man? I mean, yeah. his, his, movies, his movies command so much demands so much perfection mm-hmm. that it's not it's not this it's not it's not just that he's directing these movies he is he's the guy that like looks through your art and goes this is shit do it better <laughs> like the everything literally <laughs> literally yeah this is the man who put the word madness well apparently Takahata's is pretty tough too but miyazaki in in, in in the in the documentary he's he's the madness in the dream in the in the kingdom of dreams yeah right and the, the 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 level of quality he demands of everybody, he's not only a director, he's like a leader. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. I mean, he's like driving you could, the ship. You, if if he was in in politics, he would be some kind of like government official, like leader type person. You know, when I was putting together my list and I was thinking of how I would describe each of these directors. The one word that kept coming to mind for Miyazaki and specifically his works, like all of the Studio Ghibli movies that he's worked on and everything, it was just magic like magic everything he's ever created say, yeah. what's that i was say i was gonna say one thing that he nails perfectly is the um magic and beauty of just nature totally. like especially in princess mononoke yeah i yeah it's like he does such a great job of bringing magic to the world yeah and it's not just like the, the magic in the movie like in a literal sense but it's just like yeah the movies are magical in a way like the way that they the way that they affect people and the feelings that you get when you watch them like it's 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 almost beyond description like it's something that's mm-hmm. intangible that you can't really describe it's just he is it's it's like he's like disney he's like walt disney except he likes jewish people i think so oh, there, my God. damn. Speaking of, <laughs> all right, speaking edit of, that out. <laughs> no. uh, what? Walt Disney was a douchebag. You didn't know that? Oh, I, I mean, it's pretty well known. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, there is a forest in a in a place called Tokorozawa that uh-huh. I've never been. But next time I go to Japan, I will go. I'm going there, mm-hmm. and it is the forest that inspired Totoro, and it was like Miyazaki. Yeah. He's he was like me when I was in Colorado, right? Going through those mountains, like a religious experience. Like told, uh, Miyazaki walked through this forest mm-hmm. and was like, "This is this is the most magical, beautiful, inspirational place I've ever been." And in his mind, Totoro was born just out of his love for nature and the surroundings, to the point where Miyazaki can be found just like as a has as a hobby, picking up garbage in the forest because he wants the he wants he has this connection with nature, and his movies are so man versus nature driven. One of the one of the pivotal mm-hmm. themes of of literature. If you go back through his movies like like Naushka or um, Spirited Away, I these mean, movies or, like or there's a Mononoke. very <laughs> Princess Mononoke. Yeah, yeah. I mean there is such a man versus nature theme in these movies. And when I go to that forest, I I, I want to try to think the way Miyazaki thought and I want to find the Totoro tree. And I don't know what I'll do when I find it. I'll probably start crying or something, but I I want to feel the connection that he felt, you know, and I, and he's just a special person. 
Yeah, a totally. Yeah, he may be a hard. He, he may be a hard ass, and we joke about it a lot, but. I can't think of anybody more dedicated to what they do than this man. Yeah, I, I agree. He's retired like 10 times. Yeah. He just can't retire. <laughs> I agree. And he might as well give up. He can't. It's like testament to that because um, when I walked into that Studio Ghibli Museum with you guys, um, I wasn't expecting the level of emotion that ran through me. Like, I, I knew I was going to you know, like, be in awe of the place, but uh, it's it, it was just way too powerful. And I didn't expect it that I just began like crying as I was walking through the place because it was in that moment that I was like, damn, man, like, yeah, this studio, you know, like, and the people associated with it, especially Miyazaki, like, huge impact on someone's life. And if not, you know, if not in the way that, like, it saved you, in, but more for me in the way of how I view things, because the way that story you just said, I'm glad you pointed that out, Mitch. I don't know if I knew that, but it's interesting because when I find myself in nature, I appreciate it mostly because I've seen his work and how much and how beautiful everything looks in his work that when I go to an actual place of nature, that's why I'm like, yeah, like, you know what? This is beautiful. And he captured it so well. Like, yeah, like this is something I should appreciate. So my, con- yeah. my connection with nature is actually driven more out of adventure and danger. Mm-hmm. Like I like to, I like to, the sense of adventure and the sense of what like danger of nature could do to me. While I'm out there, so like hiking in the mountains, is I think you're just exciting for me. But that's just how I, that's just how I am. So, I, but like, it's also the beauty of nature. Like mm. to be able to look out over a mountain ridge and just yeah, dude. have your eyes well up at how beautiful it is. You know, that's just the romantic side of me. And and but like, I don't know. I'm my, just I'm just babbling on. My, my my connection with nature is uh, me glancing out of my window while I'm on the computer. But let me ask you a question. <laughs> I, 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 after I moved to Colorado, yeah. I'll take you on that hike I went on, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Are you going to carry me? Do you well, have a wheelchair? Me, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Have you ever given nature a shot? You were born. Wait. <laughs> have you me, ever given nature? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, that's so, I'm being honest, right? Let me ask you an honest okay, question. You yeah. were born in New York. Uh-huh. You've been uh-huh. living in Tampa for a long time. Yeah. Have you ever lived? Because Tampa is not nature. There's nothing here. No. So, have you ever lived in a place that is truly surrounded by nature? No. So you haven't really been given the opportunity, no fault of your own, mm-hmm. to experience it. I, I, I would like to show that to you. All right. And you don't have to, and I'm not uh, saying you have to love it. And I would say, but how like fast to, is the internet but I would, Yeah. But I would like to take you on that <laughs> what experience. If, I, would what if, you go, I would say you go, Kazuro, because I, I, I've like been able to like get the fuck out of New York and like go and stay in the wilderness for like days. And it is yeah. eye-opening, man. It really is. What if you, what if you take... A 360 degree camera, and then I get a VR headset, oh and then I can God. just sit in my living no, room. No, you have to with, s- you have to be able to smell the, the leaves. That sounds magical. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're just talking kidding. about. A wheelchair? You you've dropped seven percent body fat in a month. Yeah. Damn, that's wild. <laughs> that's dude, insane, come, please. Dude. Wait, you're what? Have to, you have to drop the please. I need a wheelchair line pretty soon now. <laughs> I'm on the on the road to Shred City. You're on the road to Shred City. All right. You're gonna be chopping. You're gonna be chopping logs with your biceps. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. All right. We got to move on. We we're, not even, right. we're not even. We're not even gonna do a review that's, on Legend of the Glass Heroes. That's what that all that was. <laughs> do we want to mention the ones that w- did not get pulled into the aggregate? list? I would like to because Shinkai is on um, the aggregate list, and I like Makoto Shinkai. I, I had a few. I had Shoji Kawamori. I had on my list for Macross. Uh, I also had Ishiguro, who did who did Space Battleship Yamato. Worked on a lot of Macross stuff. Oh, and he did Yamato. Did Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Oh, dude, that Yamato is one of my favorite, like one of my favorite anime ever. I love that space opera. It's so good. So those um, are the those are the two on my list that didn't make it. 
I had Ikohara on mine for Utsuna, and I also had uh, Kenji Nakamura for Mononoke and Kuchu Bronco because they are just so out there, just so unique. So, yeah, that, that was more of a personal choice for me. <laughs> and I think the only one that you guys haven't mentioned that I had, which you also had, Mandy, was uh, Shinkai, Makoto Shinkai. I put him yeah. at number 10, even though I know I hate on the guy Same. a lot. I, I hate on him a lot, but I can't deny what he's accomplished and that he has a lot of potential even though I don't agree with how he gets things done. Like, I, I don't agree with... Uh, he's he's not living up to his potential, basically, in my opinion. I but don't know, because, because the stories he does kind of suck, but his presentation of those stories lifts up the writing, and that's right. really hard and to do. <laughs> sure, and so his presentation is great, and obviously monetarily he's doing great. Oh, but yeah. again... Oh, yeah. he. He, I feel like he can do a lot better, or maybe he can't. I don't know. I don't know what he's capable of, but I feel like specifically with his storytelling, he is lacking. And you know, but again, that's my opinion. What do I know? I'm just some schmuck on a podcast. Yo, I, I should say, I should say that I should, I should say that Ishiguro was not the only person directing um, Star Blazers. He also it was also done by Adeji Matsumoto, who's also very famous. Um, who was which I also considered. For the list, but I just wanted to—I didn't want anybody to scream through their like computer at me. Yeah, I think I had um, who was the director of Legend of Galactic Heroes? I just said it. Ishiguro. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I had him on my who list. Who also too. passed away not that long ago, six years ago, he oh, died. Damn. Yeah. But he was pretty old. He was like in his seventies or yeah, so. Yeah. So he he made he's he he didn't have the. Anyway, we got to move on. We're not even gonna okay. get to Legend of Galactic Heroes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Intro trivia question. Yeah. Um, Enzo, you want to grab that one? Oh yeah. After being shot down by the anti-UN's newest fighter plane, ace pilot Shin Kudo finds himself on the remote island of Mayan, where technology is almost non-existent. What's the answer, guys? Let us know. We'll be back with the answer to that, and also a probably lengthy review of Legend of Galactic Heroes when we return, so stay tuned. Peace out. Hey all you anime crackheads out there, Mitsugi is here yet again, and it's time for more anime news. Well, we have a little bit of an ironic story here. Uh, the looks like the manga that is called the My Lesbian Spirit Experience with Loneliness, which Mandy just did a Mandy's Manga Minute on and also had a book club on our Discord regarding, has been protested to be removed from a banned book library display. The display was installed by the Rumford Public Library to recognize Banned Books Week. The event started back in 1982 and takes place nationwide to highlight books that are targeted for censorship. Typically, and of course, the uh, the group that was trying to get it removed from the Banned Books display is a group of pastors in the Rumford area, which includes several pastors. And they wrote a letter that states that they feel that the display in the manga in the, in the display is inappropriate for a public library serving the families and public people of the Rivervale area, quote-unquote. It mentions the nudity on the cover as risque and immodest. 
and that the book promotes the display of homosexuality. It goes on to say that children should not be subjected to early sexualization, etc., etc. And then, of course, there was retaliation from the natural, National Coalition Against Censorship and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, which said that the... They said that the library has no obligation to give in to the demands of the religious groups and that it is their obligation to, quote, not discriminate on the basis or viewpoints of sexual orientation. So even though it's in a banned books display, they want to get it banned from the banned books display, too, which, I don't know, doesn't make much sense to me, but, you know, that is, that is what's happening. So next up, we have some very shocking news and a little bit sad Composer Nobuo Uematsu, who wrote pretty much all the music for the Final Fantasy series and a number of other series, no, he did not pass away, thank God, but he is taking a break due to a weak physical condition that is said to be caused by composing too much music and by having holding too many live concerts. We know that he tours around the world to do his Final Fantasy concerts. He mentions that he hopes to return soon after taking a break. He wants to just rest up. He is... Uh, you know, he's a little older, so we want to give this legendary music composer and one of my inspirations in life a time to recover from his exhaustion. Next up, manga author Yasuyuki Kunimoto unfortunately has passed away at age 65 of heart failure, which was reported by the Sports Nippon newspaper on, on September 20th. He graduated from Waseda University and was a member of its Manga Research Society prior to making his debut in Shonen Jump, Weekly Shonen Jump magazine in 1974 with the work Saigo no Shonen Yaku. He was most well known for his manga Junk Boy, which became one of his most popular works, which sold over 5 million copies in its compiled volumes. Inspired OVAs from and an OVA series from Madhouse Studios in 1987. He had other works as well that were very popular. So we're very sad to see a good manga cup pass away, and we hope his family is doing okay in this time. Lastly, Wotaku ni Koe wa Muzukashi, or Love is Hard for Otaku, otherwise known as Wotakoi, is getting an OVA that is going to be bundled with the seventh volume of the manga that looks like it's going to be released on March 29th of next year. It's going to adapt the chapter of, uh, on the high school time that Taro Kabakura and Hanako Koyanagi titled Youth. So if you want to have a little bit of backstory on these characters from their time in high school, you're going to be able to watch an OVA of Wotakoi that is bundled with the seventh volume of the manga. This was Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. Now, of course, as always, it's time to get back to the podcast. Hey, Mitz, what's the website? Oh, Enzo, you'll never believe this. What? Oh, no. JList.com is going to release a Church of Mitsugi PC game. Hello. It's called Moe Stomp Stomp Deluxe Edition. Deluxe? It's a turn-based RPG where you go on a quest to rid the world of Moe Girls. I commissioned it from JList. I didn't know JList.com sold anime PC games. Oh, yeah, Enzo. JList.com and JustURSA are the same company. They sell hundreds of English-language visual novels, such as Fate Stay Night and Steins Gate, and they have adult games as well. And Moe Stomping games. Moe Stomping is not a game. It's life, Enzo. Life. Right. Oh, I see. They have the new Mad Pompadour 12 Good Hair Days. <laughs> Let's get that for Kazuo. JList.com, your home for all your Moe stomping and Pompadour game needs. Oh, and most other anime games as well.
Hey, Mandy, you look troubled. What's wrong? Butts! Uh, excuse me? It's all of these anime boy butts. There's just so many of them. I can't decide what's my favorite. I I've tried to categorize them by firmness, bounciness, rotundness. Okay, okay, okay. Two things. First, you may need some serious help. Second, why don't you go look at the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast website? Uh, can that help me get to the bottom of this? Stop. You know, puns are my thing, right? Also, no, it won't help you with that at all. You are beyond help. But on our website, you can find all our past shows, along with reviews and trivia. Sign up today and you'll have access to our Hobby Addicts and Hentai episodes. Hentai episodes? So I can hear other people review butts for me? Uh, sure. I, I guess if you want to look at it that way. Now that's something I can get behind. <laughs> Cheeky. the 440th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous P -p -p podcast cast, 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 cast. Oh, God. Who wants to read this intro trivia question? It's a pretty tough one. I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, so before the break, I wrote the question. I'll read it one more time for you guys. It is, after being shot down by the anti-UN's U.S. fighter plane, Ace Pilot Shinkudo finds himself on the, ro on the remote island of Mayan, where technology is almost non-existent. The answer is... Macross Zero. Macross Zero. Uh, I did not know that. I do appreciate Macross. Which has some Most pretty which has some pretty impressive dogfights in it. Yeah. Like I like the their planes and not actual dogfights. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, now that we've reached this section of the show. Yas. Yas. Time time for uh is it five star review time? It sure is, sir. Yas. iTunes review. All right, so we have another five-star iTunes review. Of course, if you would like to leave us a review, we will definitely read it on the podcast. Just head over to iTunes, download it if you have to. You can delete it after, no big deal. <laughs> uh, but leave us a review there, just like Rocking Legacy did. Mm. He says, most awesome podcast of all time. Uh, yep. I w he says, I want the AA podcast to scream Moe Moe Kun. Uh, for more five star reviews. <laughs> All right, Moe Moe Q. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we're gonna we count this wait, down. Should we do it one by one? Oh, this is gonna be <laughs> terrible over Discord. Like it's gonna be so. No, off. no, no. That's what I'm saying. Let's do it one by one. Okay. Okay. So, Mitsu go first. Mitsu, you wanna go first? The Pope. Yes. Oh god, he's putting the hat on. The Pope of the Church, <laughs> son, never under such blaspheme. Okay. Okay. May your souls writhe in agony for all eternity. And rocking legacy, shall you be condemned to a life in hell? Well, that's I have no idea what that's you just not said. How I thought that was gonna go. I feel like there should be a separation between church and podcast. <laughs> Silence! <laughs> in church and anime. Rocking legacy, I got you, baby. I got you. <coughs> more, more wow, he's not joking. He yelled it. I feel good. Wow. Manny, you're up. Me? Oh, 
no. Say it in your Jigglypuff voice. In Jigglypuff? Yes. Can yeah. you speak in Jigglypuff, please? Uh, I could try. <clears throat> uh, let me do Jigglypuff first. Sorry, I, I'm trying to, like, get the voice now. Jigglypuff! Okay. Oh my god. That's amazing. That's perfect. Not MF again! Wow. <laughs> Alright. Alright, well that's that, I guess. Wait, no. How, how does it Cosmo didn't go. I did. I was the first one to do it. How does it feel? Did you? Yeah. You read it. You didn't scream it. Fellow hosts. Yeah. How does it feel? I mean, it feels kind of good. have your souls burn in hell for all eternity. No, it's really not that bad. Toasty. Yeah, tasty. Yeah. yeah. I want you all to know that if you come to the Pope's quarters in the Church of Mitsuki and confess your sins before him and before Almighty God... <laughs> You two shall be forgiven. I'm good. Yeah, I'm All right. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, it's time for our review. Okay. <laughs> Today we're going to be reviewing the 2018 release of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Mm. The new thesis? Is that how you pronounce that? The new thesis. Yes, sure. Yeah, Let's go with there that. You go. <laughs> Basically a remake of part of the Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which by for, by many is considered to be one of the greatest anime of all time. I feel like people, particularly the Discord, think I'm just going to shit all over this. Are you? Are you? We'll find out. Now, if you have not seen the original Legend of the Galactic Heroes, you can. It is now available to stream on HighDive.com. The only place where you can watch the original is on High Dive. Yes. And I'm telling you that because if you use the promo code... <laughs> AAA podcast. Yes. Yes. You get 50% off your first month of service, and High Dive will love us. Yes. So maybe we'll get to keep our sponsorship. <laughs> and you get the first week free, so you can power yeah, through all right. 100 and some that's odd right. episodes in that week. That's right. So I'm not going to lie. I was on the High Dive website yesterday. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, man. I like that it's website sick. a lot. <laughs> like, it's way cooler than the other one. <laughs> it's probably worth your subscription just to watch this anime. So um, I think that. And honestly, High Dive is only f five bucks a month. Yeah, it's so freaking cheap. It's ridiculous. So Two fifty with the promo code AAA podcast. Okay. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't that we weren't even paid for yeah, that. It's crazy. It's free free promotion. We just want you to know where you can go to watch one of the greatest anime of all so, time. So I just want to say right now, before we start even at all, mm -hmm. that I'm going to review this anime as if none of the other material in the on the planet exists. There are no books. There is no prior OVAs. Okay. There are no movies. There are no nothing. And the reason I'm doing that is because I can't. I can't say in good conscience that even 10% of our listening audience has seen any of that. So yeah. if I if I so if I review this anime like like they've seen it and they go, "Wow, this is the best thing ever." And they go and they watch this, well, they may not have the same thought. And I don't want to mislead anybody. Yeah, that makes I'll sense. I'll mention the books because Please. for me, I think it's important. <laughs> Please do. I am just saying that that is my methodology that I am adopting. Well, I have That's not read the books and I have not seen the original series. So I will speak as someone who has not read the books and has not seen the original series. My first thought when watching this anime, and I was a little upset after the first two episodes of it. Okay. Too slow? Because Too slow for you, the first two? No. No, actually, the first two episodes were very exciting. Mm. It was a battle. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do we want to give a quick description of the show about like what the show's about for those that have no clue what this is? Okay. The show is about the three planetary, uh, I guess, entities, three factions of humanity that are 
basically having an intergalactic intergalactic war for for supremacy over the over the galaxy. Yes. Oh, I mean, is, so the, cool. is the is the is the basic premise. It's, it's like a, Star Wars, basically. It's a lot like Crest of the Stars, except Crest of the Stars is two groups. One of them, you know, it's not the same, obviously, but yeah. it's, it's the same general premise. Um, so you have like the Empire, and then you have like the Rebels and the stuff. Rebels, and, and then there's like a third group that you barely see. Right. So but, it's just this giant space war. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, I was upset at the beginning of the show, and I, and I and I criticized this anime right off the bat because, and I and I obviously I can't speak to the original. I'm sure the original does many things this one doesn't. Sure, I mean it's and 100 the, and some odd episodes, and I'm sure the books do many things that the original doesn't even do. But yes, but they they put you through this two episode battle without giving you any information at all. So you don't understand what's happening. You don't know why they're there. You don't know who they are. Mm. You don't give a shit. I don't have a stake in it. There's no, as as Enzo would say, there's no stakes in the scene. The fact that both of the main characters, Yang Wen Lee and Reinhardt, are in there. They're obviously main characters in the show because of the way they're, they're depicted. Mm-hmm. But because they have given you virtually no backstory whatsoever. You don't give you, a fuck. You know, you, you, you know have no with, idea what's going on. You know without a shadow of a doubt that neither of them will die in the opening battle mm-hmm. because they can't kill them like that. They can't kill main characters without any story under them. Mm-hmm. The opening battle is is a pile of confusion and has no stakes behind it whatsoever. And, mm. and, and even as the show progresses, they don't explain what the fuck's going on in that scene. Mm. They don't. And so like that, th- you're going to find that as I review this, I'm going to give it quite a good review. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things in this remake that knock it down a couple pegs. Okay. And that is one of the things you wouldn't... I mean, if you were watching an anime and 16% of it, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you supposed to enjoy that? Yeah, that's a fair point. And, 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 and to be uh-huh. fair, I haven't seen the original series, but I did watch the first couple episodes of the original series a little while back. Yeah. And so I did know what was going on. But you're right. Had I not seen that, I would have no clue what was happening. I uh, would have I would have had two episodes of story, then the battle. Mm-hmm. That way, I have. That way, I understand what's happening. Yeah, or at least kind of, you know, during the battle, have some dialogue explaining who's who and what's going on. Because yeah, otherwise, it's just there are two groups of people blowing each other up. I guess. I think Manny's going to be the linchpin on this review. Manny, you were you were going to say something? Oh yeah, no, I was going to say. Um, so I have read the novels, and the first book does start the prologue off with like entire history of like where the war began, mm-hmm. the reign of Rudolph, and what like sparked the um, alliance and uh, so yeah it does actually talk about that and but it's a lot <laughs> it's really dense yeah. it's 500 years worth of just knowledge and so I was thinking I I don't know for me personally I didn't mind it starting at right at the Astarte um, conflict I think it's because for me this whole story is about war it's 100 percent just about the war like you get a little bit of yang's character you i mean it fleshes out yang and it fleshes out reinhardt and i think oberstein's gonna get some more uh development and uh i'm sorry if i mispronounce names because i'm not great with german <laughs> but right. i think his name is kirchess uh or kiches or kirchess his name um, his name almost means cherry in german uh, is it oh, okay. kirkis or something like that or Kier- kirkes or, I don't in know. German, which makes sense because of his hair <laughs> in german in german cherry is kirsha I believe. Oh. But outside of those four, everybody else is just just side characters. You don't get much development for them. And I think it's because this story is about mm. war. It's about yeah, the, it is. Po- politics. It's about 
the galaxy, like the state of the galaxy. It's about the uh, just tactics. It's just this war. And so I didn't mind introducing the characters in their elements. It's like, yo, this is the entire story. It's going to be about these two pitted against each other and how they're going to go above and beyond to try and get to get to win this war <laughs> I, I, so i don't know i don't know for me i, di- I didn't mind it because... i am gonna sh- i am gonna shut up oh sorry i'm gonna shut up in a second i promise but i i couldn't help but think about cram we all remember cram right mm-hmm. cram used to preach show don't tell all the time dude yeah and I, like i, I, I was that. i was just thinking like they give you the battle and then they give you the rudolph stuff right mm-hmm. but they don't show it to you they just dump it in your face right they dump it in. They dump it in your face with like a with like a six or seven minutes of just some narrator talking, right? So what I what I would have preferred was get rid of that six or seven minutes, mm-hmm. and and give us two episodes of the history of the war as if it was the prologue of from the books. Like you have to start mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? Yeah. So put the prologue in the beginning. Show us Rudolph coming to power. Give us a great sense of what's happening, and then give us the battle. That's what I would have wanted. And that takes care of the confusion and the show don't tell. And that's just something I learned I, from Cram. I think they were aiming at fans of the of the series already though. I think that they with with those first couple episodes, they expect you to already know who's who and what's going on. It, it feels like like they it's basically to me it was them saying, "Hey, look at this. We're going to remake it, but it's cool though, right? You guys know what we're talking about." Yeah. So, and they weren't really aiming for people that we're just new to the series entirely. Believe it or not, that's pretty much going to be one of my only criticisms. Mm-hmm. But I think mm. it's I needed to say that. I, feel- I think it's fair. Um, actually, uh, I haven't finished. I haven't. I started the original series. I haven't finished it because it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also reading through the novels, and I haven't finished those yet. I'm still working through those. But um, I can say from what I've seen of the original and this one, this one is very faithful to the novels. And it actually does that in the novel. It starts with a starte, and in the middle of a starte, it starts giving you Reinhardt's background. It starts giving you Yang's background right in the middle of the battle. So, yeah, I feel like they were like, if the original was so popular, but it wasn't exactly faithful to the novels. Let's make one that's one hundred percent faithful to the novels and see how that goes. I don't know. It, it from what I've read so far, it's very very faithful <laughs> yeah and, and if i remember in like just the first few episodes of the original series that i saw there was a lot of just straight up narration like where they got yes, like the yeah. narrator just came up and just talked about who was who and what was what and that's not the best way to do it but at the very but at least you're getting something in your understanding and and i don't necessarily have a problem with a show starting in the middle of a conflict or even at the very end there are some movies or some shows where they'll start the first episode or the first part will be the actual like right at the conclusion and then they flash back and tell you how they got there but but the thing is they have to tell you how they got there like they you know and and they do that a bit throughout the show like they definitely give some history as you're watching the show but um yeah there's yeah. it's definitely there yeah it's just you have to wait a bit for it yeah mm-hmm. but i still but even with the history i don't feel like they explained what the battle of astarte was about if they did, I missed yeah. it. Yeah, I, well, there's a lot that they haven't mentioned, but I think it might come up. Hopefully it comes up because uh, I, I saw you mentioning stuff about the numbers. That number is like why Reinhardt's fleet was so small is like uh, important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember if they mentioned it in the series. I can't remember. But well, uh, yeah, yeah. 
he, was, he was sent with a fleet very small for a reason. <laughs> well, and, and yet, I mean, another thing to consider is this thing's only 12 episodes. Like, you're trying to tell this massive oh, yes. story in 12 episodes. I, 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 I actually, it's like, oh, sorry. I actually don't think they were. Like, I feel like they just wanted to give you a little taste. A taste. I don't understand why they chose to just make it 12 episodes. I almost feel like, I know that they're going to make some movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm kind of disheartened by that. I kind of wish that they had, no, like, don't do the movies. Yeah, keep the series going. L- let's just let's just keep our hopes that we'll get, like, you know, a couple more seasons of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll go a little quicker. Maybe they can tell the same story in half the time. I don't know. But I feel like the fact that they're going to make movies makes me feel like they're not going to make any more of the, se- of the series. So, yeah, so then why do you think they did it? Oh, I have no idea. Hmm. Well, you think it was just like a like a cash grab of some sort where they're like, hey, we've got this property. Let's put something out there and try to make some money off of DVD sales. I, I don't really know. Like, I don't really think that this is the kind of, kind of show that people today are looking for. Yeah. So I'm not really sure why they chose to do it, but I'm, I'm glad they did. I really enjoyed it. I think it looks amazing. Yes. This show looks Same. amazing. The battle scenes are freaking great, especially at the end when the, the dog fights and stuff. Oh, yeah. Dude, the battle scenes are great. They look amazing. Yeah. They Production used, IG freaking killed it. Yeah, they use CG correctly. They crushed it, yeah. and and everything else looks great. And the music is insane. Oh my god, it's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, I mean aesthetically, it's it's um, it's what I wanted, you know. Yeah, and I I really enjoy the characters, and I'm kind of like for me, characters are always the most important part of any story, and from like. Yang is awesome. I love Yang. He's very Yang's well de- great. He's very I well developed. Yang. Yang is such a great character. I'm on team Yang. He's very well developed. Me too. I feel like <laughs> Reinhardt didn't get the kind of development I wanted in this though. I do yeah. feel like they kind he of He will though. I'm sure. And and actually. And so here's a here's a kind of a critique and and maybe not even really a critique, but an observation. And it's an obvious one. Uh you know Reinhardt like and and um Kier Keys or whatever the hell his name is. Just just call him Cherry Boy. Cherry Boy, <laughs> Reinhardt and Cherry Boy, like uh, obviously some Fujoshi bait right there, where they're just like, hey, like, look at these pretty boys, you know, like, and and I get why they would do that because it's like you're trying to get as much of an audience as you can, so you have to kind of pander, but I don't know, it was a I, little, I, I, I it was that way in the books too. He plays with uh, Kuchess's hair all the time. Oh, wow. oh I love the man after my own heart. <laughs> I love me some hair. <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought that was a little like I mean, it didn't bother me by any means, but it was just like, all right, I see what you're doing. Like you're trying to trying to up the cute factor so that you can get more people to check this out. So I don't know. But aside from that, the characters were all very interesting. I want I, I want more. Like I want to know more about these characters and their backstories and Man. You know. I what I loved about it is how realistic the politics are. It's yes. so like, because it's never, it's not like, oh, this is good and evil versus each other. No, it's like both sides have shitty sides and good sides to them. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, I absolutely do. And, and I think that's also probably a big part of why it's not as popular as many other shows is is mm. because not a lot of people these days want. Care about politics. Care about politics or want like deep storytelling where you really have to pay attention to different factions and things like that. People just want to see cute girls and things blowing up. And this has things blowing up and some cute girls. I don't think people care about outer space nowadays. You think that's what it is, a space? I don't think they care about sci-fi. Hmm. I think it's been like that for a while. I, I, which is, yeah. I think people which, I think people assume they're going to be overwhelmed when they tackle a premise that has to do with something like outer space because it's 
I feel like to the to the, to the common human that is ex- like trying to trying out anime for let's say or like it's a surface level anime watcher that can like every anime that's connected that's connected to space like for the most part is a bigger premise than most other anime out there and i think that assumption kind of takes people takes people away from this kind of show because time is very limited these days to people um even young people don't have the damn time so like i think people just assume that the premise would be too much and they'd rather just watch my hero you know what i mean yeah so it's 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 a lot of factors that go into that i think which is such a shame because like it is. i will probably go back and watch the original of this it's uh, but the thing is is that because the story is so grand and because there's so much mm. detail in it it makes you want to know how it ends even more like it almost makes it feel like you're trying to take the first book of game of thrones and push it into 12 episodes 12 20 minute episodes <laughs> yeah i could see that i mean the fact that reinhardt didn't get much development the fact that it ends kind of just out of nowhere it just speaks to the fact that they, I feel like they weren't even really trying to to get this whole story in because like they knew they couldn't. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like trying to cover all nine Twelve Kingdoms books in like you know fifty episodes, like mm-hmm. Fat Chance. So, they 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 did what they could. I feel like, and I and I feel like they, I feel like they did an okay job. I'm sure that there's lots of detail missing, and probably entire scenes. Mm-hmm. But as a person who hasn't read the books, I didn't feel like the story was incoherent. I just feel like it was unfinished. Yeah. I think my biggest um, like criticism of it is when you're making something that's such a faithful um, adaptation, some things that you make sense in the book get lost when you uh, move it over. Like, for example, the one that stood out to me was um, when the Patriotic Knights attack uh, Yang, Yang's house. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when Yang turns on the sprinklers... When I first watch it, and I have to, I'd have to go back and watch it again because I watched this when it was airing. But when I first watched it, I thought, "Did they leave just because they got wet?" <laughs> it seemed kind of weird to me. But in the books, it explains to you because you have the narrator explaining it to you that no, those sprinklers are attached to a fire station and they're gonna be there soon. They don't want to get caught red-handed doing this. <laughs> so you know, it's kind of weird that um, some stuff like that didn't translate well over it seems kind I, of out of place i actually thought that was a bad scene <clears throat> the whole section him uh. protesting I, I and it's not that i feel like him protesting speaks to his character but i but i feel like they didn't really provide enough there mm-hmm. to substantiate what the hell was going on well and then it kind of just like the problem goes away it just disappears it just yeah. yeah like there's no like they're not gonna come back ever i guess okay um, it actually explains that in the book too, that he tells somebody to go and because sure. his, um, well, adopted I mean, son is there. Yeah. I mean, in the show though, like, you know, yeah, no, no, I'm, I know. I'm just saying that they explain, that's another reason they, exp- or thing, um, criticism is because they explain that stuff in the book, but they don't yeah. really explain it in this because yeah. the narrator can say stuff like Yang, you know, because he didn't say it himself. He just says Yang went and told him, you know, to have uh, security come and check on, um, his adopted son so <laughs> yeah you know what? i think at, at some point in the show he did say something about having somebody take care of his adopted son but i don't yeah. think julian he... sorry I was, well, the, it took the, me a second to remember his name in the show the, the son doesn't want to leave <clears throat> right he's like who's gonna take care of the house? I, I am the commander of the house yeah is what he says i think yeah. in so many words which is kind of cute yeah yeah um i actually really like the patriotic knights scene just because it shows the depths of the like it makes the politics feel so real because he was protesting the um 
he was exercising his right to protest in this democracy mm-hmm. and there are still extremists in this uh like pro-war extremists mm-hmm. that came and attacked him for exercising the well, freedom they're sounds, fighting for. sounds I, really familiar I, right <laughs> and here's another thing that is hilarious what i <laughs> i'm so sorry i hope this doesn't get me in trouble <laughs> when i read books i tie it to the uh the audiobooks i can listen to the audiobook at home come and it syncs up to kindle so i can continue the kindle book at, at home when i was listening to the narrator for that part he gave them all really deep southern accents and i died laughing <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i didn't i don't know why i was like that was an interesting choice <laughs> I, I thought it was a fine way to sort of demonstrate both young's character and the politics mm-hmm. i just didn't think that like the chase scene and stuff were really necessary i, I think that like just Especially since they didn't provide enough information to make the the water scene make sense, mm-hmm. I think it. I think having the, they pretty much protested the fact that he wasn't standing and wasn't contributing to the ceremony. That alone, I think, kind of spoke to the politics. Yeah, I didn't think that mm-hmm. they, were, they didn't really need to have the car chase scene and the and the and the scene in the yard with the water with the with the sprinklers. By the way, what the hell sprinklers can aim like that? In the future, I mean, <laughs> in the w- future. but why? What you're watering your yard? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a, yet that you know that one trouble spot on your yard where it's always brown and whatever you do, you can't get it. To... It's probably so that the fire department can put the fires out. Uh, they bet they can aim them or something. I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I I don't know books, I think you're putting but... too much thought into it. But um, anyway, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh... Um. Oh, I uh, watched a lot of this dubbed. And oh, wow. I will tell you that some voices were good. Some. <laughs> I, the Japanese one went all out and chose like every A-list voice actor in existence. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> every single alert. person showed I, up in this. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't want to call out any specific voice actors because, you know, they're doing what they, they're passionate about and they're doing their best. But there were certainly a number of voices. Chicken. Call them out. No, they're, I'm sure they're lovely people. Hey, they're, if they do a bad job, they do a bad job. They're living their dream. But th- there were a number that were just like, whew, that's not good acting at all. <laughs> you know, so, um, so yeah, I would say if you want to watch the dub, proceed with caution. But, you know. And, but the thing is, with shows like this, I prefer to watch the dub because it's like they're going to get into, like, such intricate detail that I have a hard time following along if I'm just reading all of this. And I just don't retain it as well as if I'm actually listening to it. Um, so maybe I'm just like an auditory learner or something like that. But so I, I prefer watching the dub, but this one is not great. It's not too offensive. Like you can watch it, but it's just, just understand that some of those voices are going to be rough. There was a very beautiful mental image that I had when I was watching this. And I think as I get older, I become a little more romantic. Um, oh boy. But the girl, what was the girl's name? Jessica or something? The, the, the violinist. Oh, what was her name? I can't remember her Reinhard's name. Reinhardt's sister? Or um the the, the 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 sort of love interest of Yang who gets Jessica. Jessica was her name Jessica. Oh Jessica. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had it. <clears throat> so there's a scene where Jessica says to Yang, he's you know, she's like, you know, you're always looking towards the past. And I want to look towards the future. That's what I want to do. And so I had this mental image of them like standing back to back and their line of sights go in opposite directions. They're painting the full timeline of you know history. Yeah. But they're not looking towards each other. Mm-hmm. And so they can't be together. Yeah. They aren't they they there's clearly some kind of like a love happening here, 
but they they're not in alignment together they span the timeline of history mm -hmm. but they're not looking towards each other yeah and so they can't be together but and that isn't what happens right mm -hmm. and but at some point she says i realized that history is not about what did she say history is not about looking towards the past it's about creating the present or something like that and I just thought I had like this just this mental image of like of their lines of sight not lining up and the way that that sort of is a very important point when you're talking about war because war is always something that's captured in history. And I don't know I just thought that was like a very poetic notion. Yeah. It's sort of like in not to inflame Kazuo, but it's sort of like in Makoto Shinkai <laughs> Voices of a Distant Star where the rocket ship takes off mm -hmm. and it splits the skyline in half. And the and the skyline of that split in half of the of the of the rocket is clearly dividing the the lives of the two people that love each other, and they can't be together. And then he's giving a, a visual. He's he's a little less subtle, Shinkai, because he's actually drawing the line <laughs> yeah. in the sand. But in this anime, that statement to me kind of painted a very visual picture of a lot of things. I don't know. I just really enjoyed the poeticness of that. It was. I thought that was very nice. I picked up that. And I, I was, I was, I was pleased. I don't even know if that was intentional or not, but I was really pleased that. But I was really pleased that I was able to take that from it. Hmm. I think I went way too long on that. That's all right. Oh no, you're fine. So the director uh, of this show also directed. Uh, his name is uh, Shinsuke Tada, mm -hmm. and he also directed Tada -kun. Mandy, uh, Kuroko no Basuke. Oh really? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what else here? Anything else I recognize? Uh, I'm nothing really. So, as a standalone series, I thought that we got Yang's character very well developed. You really oh, yeah. get a sense for him. He's his beliefs, his yes. his convictions, all of it is there. And you've, I mean, so when I was started to watch this, I was thinking to myself, I, I, I had to cram this in really. I, I was actually watching this while I was like driving to my mountain biking place. Oh my god, so bad I shouldn't oh. do that, but I had to to get it in. And the, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a show where it's, you're either Team Yong or you're Team Reinhardt, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, oh, so everyone's going to have to pick. You know, it's like Ronka and Cheryl. What I'm kind of on both teams, though. But this show never gives you, never really lets you choose that. Yeah. Because you get from like episode three through like nine, it's all Yong, right? Uh huh. And then there really isn't much Reinhardt of his... You see him, he makes military decisions and he's telling people to go do stuff or whatever. Well, they explain his backstory, too. So. Uh, compared to Yong, not really. Right. And well, the other group, the Fezon Empire or whatever... They, they barely even touch They appear, them. but, like, for for moments. Yeah. And so, like, as a if I was a person watching this without having read the books, that would be a criticism those people are going to give because they're going to say, well, I didn't really get to learn about Reinhardt and I don't even know what the hell was going on with this Fezon Empire or whatever. Yeah. The Fezon, whatever they were called. Um, so as a standalone series, I felt like it was not well balanced in that way. Mm -hmm. I would have wanted, I wanted to see more Reinhardt. I want to know, I, I don't want to see how pretty Reinhardt is and how much he loves his Kirshi boy or whatever, or how, or how well he is at making tactical moves or telling people to go do things or breaking wine glasses or whatever he does. I want to know what makes him tick. Mm -hmm. I want to know what he is on the inside. I feel like they touched on that, though. Not enough. Like, not enough. I, I feel like I got a good understanding of his... When Oberstein his, showed up. Yeah, and, and with like what happened with his sister when he was a kid and how that kind of drove him to yeah. the, you know, the only way that he's going to be able to... But Reinhardt, you know, ultimately, but, but Yon gets so much. 
Yeah. So much. I mean, because he's the main character. Well, there's, I think, I mean, Mandy, you're the only one that has backstory here. I think they're both main characters. Yeah, um, it starts off more focused on Yang, but then it'll move over to Reinhardt eventually. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm but sure that they're going to get there, but I, I, as a person who didn't, yeah. who isn't, who may not watch the movies or hasn't seen the original, like, they're yeah. going to be like, I want more Reinhardt. I, I felt like I got a good understanding of both of their personalities and, and their desires and, and what's driving them. And honestly, I, I'm kind of on both of their sides, you know, like I, I feel like they're not so different. I think that they're on two opposing, you know, sides as far as the governments that they are working for. But I think ultimately their goals are very similar. So, yeah, I feel like I got an understanding of, of why they're both doing what they're doing. Um, and and I really enjoyed both of their characters. So, you know, and, and I enjoyed their I enjoyed their conflict with one another, even though they never meet each other. And they never like never really talk to each other, but like there's still that rivalry, and it's so potent and you know and and compelling, and I really appreciate that. I, I mean, personally, I thought the way the story is painted in this, at least in the remake, is that for sure Reinhardt is the bad guy. But not really, though. I mean, you spend so much time with the alliance, yeah, that well, because he because he wants to overthrow the government, like he wants to. Get rid of the ruler. The way that I felt. Yeah, it, he still wants to be a dictator, but he wants to. He thinks he wants to be a benevolent dictator. I, he wants to. Yeah. He's, achieve emperor status, like you know, Rudolph emperor status. But he's like, I don't want to make the same mistakes, though. Right. <laughs> I I don't disagree with that. There was a very powerful moment in the beginning of the show, also, where, where he's, where Reinhardt's kind of looking over the balcony and, uh, Kershi or whatever his name was there. Cherry boy. Cherry boy Hunter was there, and he says. <laughs> You know, he's like, I want to, Reinhardt makes known that he wants to be, he wants to make the universe his. Yeah. And Kirshi says, um, he says that, he says, he says, he salutes him and he's like, please make this your world, make this your universe. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very powerful sentiment. I don't disagree. I don't think Reinhardt is a bad guy. I think he wants to be Rudolph, but he wants to be a good Rudolph that improves and improves people's lives. Yeah. But I think the but the way that the story is painted, at least to me, I felt like the empire itself was the, oh, yeah. was the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The black clothing, the attitude. Yeah. You know the fact that you don't see them as much. They're the bad guy. Yang's the alliance is the good guy. But wow, the alliance is really inept. They suck. I also <laughs> feel like you see a lot of what Reinhardt's values, like how he like like what his views are on his people though through his actions because at the one point when um the alliance uh, after they voted to invade imperial space or um, imperial space after capturing isohone mm -hmm. uh they are like they voted to go to war and to um you know invade so when they did reinhardt pulled his troops back and to lead them further in and purposely put his people in a uh, difficult situation where they didn't have any supplies, purposely just to weaken uh, uh, Yang and the Alliance. So they are like stuck like, oh no, now we, because they arrived thinking, oh, they're gonna want us to liberate them, but no, they had no supplies. Yeah. They had no food, they had nothing. And Reinhardt put them in that situation. So it kind of shows how much he values his people's like, like, Speaking of Isserloin, so it depends. I don't know how you look at it. Yeah, he's he's definitely not 
it's complicated because like I feel yeah. I feel like and, and and that's another thing I appreciate about it. It, it is complicated. These aren't black and mm-hmm. white characters. It's like he has a that's desire. His desire is based on wanting to do good things, but he's going about it in the wrong way. And and yeah. Yang and Yang's desire is also to do good things. And you know, and there's some flaws in in the way he does things. And so I feel like they're both flawed characters that are trying to accomplish a similar goal but in different ways mm-hmm. i want to talk about the Isserloin conflict or however you say it Isserloin. i think which I one was know. that that's the I one thought it was Iserholm. that's the one where they took oh, over the base oh yeah. uh, uh, like the odin base or whatever it was called. so like i can't help but draw comparisons to this and crest of the stars and, the, and there's a couple reasons to that one is because they're both intergalactic wars between different sides mm-hmm. so it's like one is the Ob and the humans. One is the Empire and the Alliance. They're both fighting wars, and there, there are, there are large-scale depictions of battle in both shows, right? Yeah. They both do things better than the other. Crest of the Stars is about, about half a romance, and Crest of the Stars does a very good job with the romance. There's some extremely touching stuff in that anime. Now, I will say, the original Legend of Galactic Heroes came out like 10 years before Crest of the Stars, plus 10 years plus, 10, 15 years, something like that. Well, they're, they're so different. They're not even, yeah, yeah. They're not even remotely the same. So I'm just saying for, for, con, what's the word? I don't know. Clarification? Yeah, clarification. That'll work. <laughs> I'm not really sure where you were going with that. They're no. not, they're not, I'm just saying, are, are you, you saying if one go- copy of the other or something? No, 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 no. But I was going to say, if you're going to express similarities, it might help to know that this show predates it. Right. Well, not, this show predates, but yeah. so Crest of the Stars aims at romance a lot of the Mm -hmm. time and they do a great job at it this show might do the best job i've ever seen depicting strategy yeah it is phenomenal yeah the fact that the fact that like in the beginning yong opens up his his fleet so that the enemy fleet can go into the middle so they can pincer them that is freaking great and they depict it Mm -hmm. they depict strategy much better than crest of the stars does Mm. Now, right on the crest of this, actually cares because it's mostly it's a lot of it's yes. romance, but it, it does a great job. And the Isserloin thing, it's a it's a little bit of a stretch, like the way they took it over so easily, but it's really well done. And then and the way that the way that uh, Yang chose to, for the most part, spare most of the enemy fleet by not just like, yeah. annihilating them with that cannon speaks a lot to his speaks character. to his character. And they found really clever ways to sort of use that to speak to his character. So that was, it was just a great scene. That was one of the better parts of the show for me. I really enjoyed watching that infiltration. It was mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, I really liked it. I love that opening like sequence. And, and and again, I watched it in the original series, those first few episodes. And just for one, the strategy behind his maneuvering. And then I did appreciate how in the first two episodes of this one, they basically just retold the same episode, but from two different kind of perspectives almost like, you know, so I, I don't know. I enjoy that. I enjoy like the moment when Yang comes on over the intercom and it's like, just basically do what I tell you and you'll live. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. such a badass moment right there from just this unassuming guy who's just like, who's, who's like, he just seems like a kind of lazy person. Well, he's and, so disinterested by war. He, yeah. He sits like, Indian oh, yeah. style. he sits Indian style on the bridge. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But he's so confident in his abilities. It's really like, it's exciting to watch. And he tries to uh, put his resignation at one point, too, and they turned it down. They're like, no, 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 you're not going to do that. (laughs) So I, 
I would like to I would like to score it because we're at kind of the the breaking point on time for the podcast. Sure, I've I already just want to say that. real quick as me, Enzo. me who has I didn't really finish the anime, so I'm, I don't want, I don't feel like validated to speak any real opinion on it. You guys spoke so well in this anime just now. I am enthralled by the discussion, guys. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, thank you. All three of you. That was great to listen to. <laughs> well, I mean, the show gives you a lot to discuss. Yes. Yeah, even so. though it's yeah. this, even though it's this watered down remake or whatever. So I, I'm just gonna get my closing thoughts because because I wanna I wanna try to get out of here by like eight eight o'clock if I can and it's pushing it. So my thought is, this is a great show. I, this is a show that you could show your dad. Your dad that doesn't know a damn thing about anime and doesn't care to. Because right off the bat, it's about war. And it's like a very like, I'm not trying to sound sexist, but it feels like a dude show. It does. Like most <laughs> of the characters are dudes. It's about war. Oh, it's no, not, they're pretty dudes. They are pretty. <laughs> they're pretty, but like, yeah, they have, they have nice boy butts. You see Reinhardt's like, you know, he's, he's, he's got that little trunk in his you junk in his, his trunk, his you know. Flat butt? Plant, oh. plant, yeah. plant the flower pot on it or whatever, but... <laughs> this is a show I could show my dad, and he would probably like it. Yeah, because it's very like like a Saving Private Ryan type war. You know, it's a war story, and it's it's not gory or anything like that. But it's got strategy in, and it's very much very enjoyable for that audience. I don't think it's fit for this time. I think the fact that it got a lower score than High School DXD for God's Jesus sake Christ. shows that people don't want this. So I don't understand why they made it. I don't really get it. I'm sure they were just trying to make money off of it, which I don't agree with. But I don't know why they made it. But it doesn't matter. I enjoyed it. These are the shows I like. You know, I've seen Crest of the Stars four times. I like that. I like these. I like space operas. You know, this is why I'm. This is why I'm here, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, but the show is flawed. The beginning I thought was had could have been done better. And as a standalone series, if it wasn't so damn good, I would probably give it a lower score. Mm-hmm. But because it just doesn't have an ending, and it probably never will. Even right. with even with even with two movies or whatever they're gonna make, it still won't have an ending because right. it's too much. So I'm gonna give it. Um, uh, mm, mm, four and a half far-fetched military tactics that Yong put together out of five. Because <laughs> some of the times I'm like, eh, could you really take over a giant base with three people? I don't know. Yeah. Man, do you want to go? If you're Yang, you can. I guess so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I know it's always tricky when you're trying to remake a classic. And, um, I think after reading novels, I think they did a pretty decent job, but there's always problems that you're going to run into when adapting, uh, like actual novel, if some information is going to get lost, if you, if you try to make a very faithful adaptation like we spoke of earlier but um i thought it looked fantastic it has every amazing voice actor on the list like if you look at anyone's like any site's top 10 they're all in there and i i love yang and what we little we seen of reinhard i thought he was really well done too um i i love it for the tactics it makes me feel like I actually tweeted when I was first watching this that this is... I love reading the shit that happens at EVE Online, and this makes me think this must be what it's like to play EVE Online. (laughs) I love the tactics. I love the politics. I love how realistic it feels, even though it's in the future. But I loved it, and um, it's not perfect, but... And yeah, it doesn't have an ending, unfortunately, and it ends in a really weird spot with a new battle coming up. Um... 
But yeah, I I think I'm gonna give it four something. I'm gonna give it four Thor's hammers. Damn, that would just destroy that fleet. Oh my god. <laughs> that would obliterate the universe. <laughs> Alright, so uh you guys definitely mentioned a lot of my thoughts on the show. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of these types of shows, and it's really unfortunate that we don't get a lot of them, but I understand that that's simply not what the audience seems to want these days, um, which, again, is very unfortunate. Uh, the, the My biggest flaws, my, my biggest faults with the show were that it didn't give us enough information uh, in a lot of areas, and so it left you kind of uncertain unless of course you know as we mentioned you've read or watched the previous material but if not if you're just coming in kind of fresh like i did you're going to be a bit lost at points um and some characters aren't as fleshed out as you would like them to be uh, aside from that and you know i could comment on the voice acting but i don't really like to take that into account because ultimately this is a japanese show and so just because the english version isn't so great that shouldn't you know i shouldn't hold that against it um so ultimately, I did really enjoy it. It certainly had some flaws, as we touched on. And I just, I want more. Like, I feel like without more, you know, it, it, just, it just hasn't, it didn't give you enough to tell a complete story, which is a big issue. Uh, so I'm going to give it four young boys that live at your house and you kind of take care of and are maybe your son <laughs> out of five. All right, so that's rounds it to a four. Unfortunately, I think the reason why they left it in such a precarious place with a battle coming up is yeah, sell movie tickets. Sell movie <laughs> yeah, tickets. I think it's, it's so annoying. I think it's obvious, but um, maybe the movies will be maybe the movies will be so mind blowing we won't care about that. Maybe hope, I mean, hey, that'd be awesome. Oh man, it I mean, stopped right in the middle of that conflict too. Right yeah. at the beginning of the battle of um, Emirstar, I think it's called Emirstar. I can't say it. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it, I really want to go back and watch the original, though, for sure. After seeing this, I'm planning on Same. it. I think it's a journey. I, I think it's a journey worth taking. Yeah. It'll be. A, it'll be. A, it'll be. A, it'll take a long time because I just don't have the time. Yeah. But it may yeah. be something. My goals. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say, man, my goal is to watch one a day. <laughs> it, it may be something that fills the gap when there's not some video game I want to play. So, sure. anyway, let's get out of here. Um, pretty long episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll get to more of the mailbags next week. If you guys want to check out our website, it's over at aaapodcast.com. You can join the you can join the addicts. You can help us out. We'll give you all the extra content you can handle uh, as a reward for helping the podcast. Um, be sure to check out Legends of Graphic Heroes on High Dive if you have High Dive already. If you, if not, you know you know our promo code. Um, check out our Discord. It's growing still. We add like you know people join it every day, and the community over there is pretty big. So I'm on there virtually all the time. So you can hang out with me and Mandy and Enzo and Kazu on there and you know, in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. So I definitely recommend that for, for those of you that, you know, want to be a little closer to the to the people that you've been listening to blather on and on and on for like ten years. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. I love all of you. Um, go check out this show if you haven't watched it. It's definitely something you should see. See you next time. Bye. See ya. Snuggle the shit out of you. God. <laughs>